Hello everyone, I'm sure we're thoroughly excited to hear us talk about Catwoman, but unfortunately we um, we talked for over two hours about Catwoman, which is longer than the, the movie itself, so I just want to apologise for that, we're going to try and uh, keep it tighter in future, and uh, if you're going to have to listen to this in the future, you probably know that, so... This is a podcast, it has no name yet. This is a placeholder theme song, let's hope it is not too long. We watch a movie and talk about it, and then compare it to its friends. The bullying never ends, this season is DC, some of them upset me. Have they made any decent movies? Well, we'll have to see in the podcast that has no title. Some movies we watch will be frightful. Guess this podcast, it has no title. This theme song's too long anymore. Would be wrong, start the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the brand new podcast which is currently unnamed because every name that we've come up with uh, there's actually been at least 10 other podcasts with the exact same title and potentially with the same concept but we don't know because we didn't listen to them because frankly I don't respect them Um, but in this podcast um, we take a certain film oeuvre I've written down here because I feel like series doesn't quite uh, match what may come up and i think franchise also isn't enough can we just back up for just a second what on earth is oeuvre uh something that you you should probably look up in a dictionary (laughs) but um uh oeuvre is basically a word that i like to use to sound uh intelligent but it basically means someone or something's full work so um we basically watch every film from an oeuvre or a, or a canon, and um, we rank them because I like things being in their rightful place, and uh, I think because we're so objective uh, and perfect in our understanding of film that we'll come up with the perfect ranking list of every film of all time eventually, and that'll be a reference work for everyone to look back onto. And I yeah, think this is really a, a public good. Kind of, kind of like IMDb, but more accurate. Exactly. I mean, some of the things on IMDb are absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, the the film we're looking at today has about a four, which is so <laughs> really astounding. Oh, it's ridiculously low. But um, before we get too ahead of ourselves, for this, uh, for, so basically, we're going to watch a di- uh, another entry into uh, this franchise that we've chosen every episode, and eventually we'll have a list from top to bottom of um, all the films ranked by quality. And because of the uh, the landscape of the film industry, we've gone with one of the uh, one of the heavy hitters of the cinematic universes that currently exist. Uh, unfortunately, not the more entertaining one. Um, oh, I don't know. This one, this this film we watched was pretty damn entertaining. <laughs> In a sense, yeah. No, not for the right reasons, but <laughs> not on purpose. Petoff did not. Uh, execute his vision perfectly i don't think or maybe he did maybe he loved it <laughs> i really um, hope he did <laughs> um so we've chosen to watch the the dc movies and a few um 
And I don't think I, I'll be fine if no one listens to this. But if someone does and they're a massive nerd, they're probably going to ha- take some umbrage with the films that we actually end up do watching because DC has made. Uh, if you look at every film with a DC character in it, they have made an absurd number. Oh, of Oh, there's so many. If you look at the the animated ones, there's probably more of them than there are going back for the DC films to the eighties. So. We're not doing any of the animated ones, and we're not doing Lego Batman for no other reason than... Um, we don't want to. Yeah, mainly. But uh, <laughs> And the, the, the only one live-action um, uh, exception we have is Return of Swamp Thing, because um, it showed in about three cinemas worldwide, and it made about $3,000. <laughs> so I don't think it's worth watching. Uh, but the original Swamp Thing, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, give me some of that swamp thing. <laughs> and we're gonna um, we're gonna have a random choice at the end of each episode, except for this one, because we wanted to start it off on a high. So um, we ch- we decided to watch the 2004 classic Catwoman, starring Halle Berry as Catwoman, and Sharon Stone as not Catwoman. I actually, I, I wrote an entire synopsis and I never referred to her as anything other than Sharon Stone, so I don't know what her character's <laughs> name is. Um, oh yeah, so, I think I referred to her as the lady villain. <laughs> as opposed to her husband, which is the male villain. Well, yeah, we'll get into this, but the thing about the film is that you know that they're the villain immediately just because of how they act. <laughs> Not because of what they do, but it, it, how they portray themselves is very evil, which is odd for, like, corporate heads <laughs> uh, who are, like, is it? marketed <laughs> everywhere. Um, that's a good point you made there, actually. <laughs> but, um, um, oh, God, they're so bad. It's, um, I so just we'll thought get into it. We should, uh, we should probably introduce ourselves as well. I'm no one of note, so I don't think that's... Uh, well, well, my name's Joe. And my is, name's I, Chris. Ironic, because I'm not actually a Joseph, because I don't have time for two syllables. Are you just it's a straight-up Joe? Yeah. Even on your birth certificate? Yeah. No ladies and gentlemen. I say ladies and gentlemen, like people are actually going to listen to this, but... I don't know. I mean, I, I, look, it's starting to pass the time. There's a, I don't know if you guys heard, but there's a pandemic going on. Imagine um, it. Don't, don't bring it up. No one knows. Shh, it's on the download. <laughs> it's, uh, look, I want to I really <laughs> shine some light on this thing. I th- I've got some theories about this. Kind of bust the door wide open. Have you heard about this 5G thing? No. That's why we're um, starting with Catwoman. There's some warning signs in there. No, not Batman. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, I, I don't know about your initial thoughts on the film. But from from a from basic point of view, I had previously never seen this film, so I didn't actually know what to expect apart from some little hints from Joe, kind of saying, <laughs> "It's it's a good one." <laughs> and that was the insight that I had before ever watching this film. And oh boy, well, I had never heard it. I had never um, seen it before either. But that's mainly because I had heard of it. Um, and I knew what the general opinion of it was. And, um, well, watching it doesn't change your opinion of it. Like, when you know that it won, I think it won five Razzies, um, including Worst Picture. So that's an accomplishment. Um, there's a great clip of Halle Berry accepting her Razzie, which is very, re- I think her and Sandra Bullock are the only... Um, yeah, people never normally do it, do they? 
Yeah, because <laughs> you don't have turn up to get a trophy saying that you're the worst at something. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. I mean, it, 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 I think one of the most interesting things about that clip is that she is so on the, on the border of being very, like, a good sport about it, but also being really annoyed that this kind of ruined her career. Because... <laughs> <laughs> um, like it's it's the weirdest passive aggressive clip. I might pipe some of this in if I am bothered while editing, but um, it's a it's a very bizarre clip. But good on her for coming and doing that because um, and I, I also watched some interviews with her before the film, and um, please tell no me she was like hyped for it. No one seemed to know that it was as bad as it was, even <laughs> though it clearly is. I don't see how anyone could watch this and think that it wasn't terrible. Um, maybe like. On set, it seemed like it was going to be a great thing, and like editing it, like just tore the, it apart. The, thing and was... the editing is terrible, but um, it's it's shocking that. And I know that they're being paid to uh, promote it in interviews, but but God, I don't know how they pulled anything positive out of it. The thing it's with crazy. some of these things is you like you must get on set and read through the dialogue and, and <laughs> know on a fundamental level that what <laughs> that what you're producing is just utter horseshit. Uh, yes, I mean some of the lines are just. Right, we'll we'll get to some of that. Oh yeah, I've, I've highlighted some of them. <laughs> yeah, there's some absolute crackers. And uh, one which it... made me very very angry, which is toward <laughs> towards the end of the film, is the absence of it rather than an actual line. Wow, that's incredible. I can't uh, I can't believe there's not a line in this film because uh, they really throw anything they like at the ball <laughs> in this. Uh, so. We'll go through the, the, the plot now. Um, and it begins perfectly with an opening credit scene. Normal, some might think, but this is an opening credit scene that is overlaid um, over uh, a slideshow of the history of, of cats. I actually, so... when watching this, had to double check that I was watching the right film. <laughs> because I originally thought that I might have accidentally turned on The Mummy. It does seem like it could be the mummy because because uh, of um, Bast, the the Egyptian goddess of um, protection and cats. I looked that up afterwards. The two common ones. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a Venn diagram, really. In the, in the middle <laughs> bit is Bast. Is what what is the one thing that connects both protection and cats, and it's it's Bast. Um, so so we've got this slideshow. It's got a sort of papyrus coloured. Uh, tone to the paper so you know it's about the past and um, there's pictures of Bast it says that, look this Bast guy's great he's a cat and he's got he's, he, uh, look we're not going to tell you about him yet but uh, going to come back into play later and then there's a, a picture of a, like a Victorian era cat woman who has like a masquerade mask on and a whip um, very poorly photoshopped I must say <laughs> Uh, but I enjoy the silliness of it, so I'm, at this point, I'm very much on board. Um, Some of the subtlest foreshadowing I've ever seen, as well. <laughs> uh, uh, well, the best foreshadowing is when it says "directed by Petoff," and as we all know, directors with one name are always excellent. Uh, I can think of so many off the top of my head. Spielberg. It's... Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, any director has one name if you just say the one. That's <laughs> how it works. Mm. I, I had two, well, three comments about this. One about the mummy thing. Yeah. And then two comments. Firstly, I found it hilarious that Sharon Stone was in a film about pussies. Wow. 
just simply simply because of the basic instinct link. What she's known for. And secondly, I got bored about three minutes into the intro because the opening <laughs> slideshow is like four minutes long. It, it is. They want to get all the credits out of the way at the start because they know that no one's going <laughs> to sit around at the end. Um, because this was before post-credit scenes. So they this was before they could keep people around to to watch the ending. So they needed cat pictures to um to keep people interested while looking at names. It's kind of the hallmark um, of a terrible film. <laughs> is if if the intro gets you bored, why are you going to stick around for the rest of it? Yeah. Well, because you got to do a podcast about it. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason. Um. So we get past the, we 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 managed to get past the uh, the opening credits. We've done that. It's not like we'll rag on it, but that's because we've seen the whole thing. It's not obviously terrible yet, but this it quickly gets worse because uh, we we come in in media res to uh, a shot of Halle Berry from the water. She's lying in the water. We can't tell it's Halle Berry. It could be anyone really, but she's got um, she's doing a narration, which is how every good movie starts, um, and it finishes with the line. Because the day that I died was also the day that I started to live. Which, you know what, that just sets you up to something great. It That's did a... not fill me with hope, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, if you... See, I read a little bit of the of one of the drafts of the screenplay, um, and that is not in it. It doesn't start with opening oration. And oh, it, it I really much... hope she ad-libbed that. She just goes, you know what, make she this ad- better. <laughs> she ad-libbed it in the recording studio while doing ADR. <laughs> Um, but the, the 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 draft script started with um, it started with like a ritual in ancient Egypt um, of people the, the like cultists praying to Bast, um, and I do not know how that tied into um, the rest of the plot because the whole uh, cat god part is very minor in the finished. Oh yeah, it's barely spoken about at all. Except for like creepy lady who comes in later on. So so we've got this opening uh, narration uh, with very vague um, like like it movie trailer dialogue that comes from Halle Berry where she's like, I I'm dead now, but uh, like I really started to live when I died, and then, and then you, the audience is like, whoa, she's dead, <laughs> she's the main character in the movie. So then we flash back because you got to find out how she died. And then we we have the CGI shot flying over this city in which the movie takes place. Um, could be any city. Is is it Gotham? We don't know. They never say. It's just a city with big buildings. I have a That's few. I have a few major issues with the CGI spanning <laughs> spanning across the entire film. One of which is any time they do uh, some kind of crane shot or helicopter shot of a skyline, everything mm. just looks like it might have been made in The Sims. It really does. <laughs> that that's the first impression you get of their like of a shot that isn't of a drowning Halle Berry is a is a CGI shot of a cityscape that does not look convincing. Um, there is one good shot of it later on where it like sort of moves into um, the scene itself, and that doesn't look terrible. But whenever it's like five feet away from the scene itself, it just looks dreadful. Everything's made out um, of play doh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so this is when we get introduced to Halle Berry's character, Patience, who is not Selena Kyle from the comics. 
because because um, I didn't have the balls to make a black Catwoman, so they had to change her name. Um, How times have changed, thankfully. Exactly. Um, so this is. I, I was thinking that this could have possibly been the first um, black leading uh, superhero movie, but then I realised a Blade existed, and then b Steel existed with Shaquille O'Neal. So oh, we'll get to that. How wrong was I? Yeah. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> so we're introduced to Patience Phillips. Our first introduction to her. She is walking into her um, marketing job at a cosmetics company. I guess they have their own marketing department where they have artists. Um, and immediately we find out that she is the clumsiest human of all time. Because she's she so into forgettable. I understand that she's <laughs> supposed to be forgettable, but they somehow crossed the line of like too insignificant yeah. for there to be any kind of subtle transformation between one character to the final Catwoman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, her, her pre-Catwoman... And her transformation is magnificent, and we'll get to that. Oh, that's spoilers, by the way. Patience does indeed become Catwoman. <laughs> you couldn't tell because Halle, because Halle Berry is on the uh, on the poster, but she's in a mask, so you can't really tell who it is. Um, so she's bumping they, they, into everyone. They to find to out work. later, and they use some very exact science for it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, so she's bumping into everyone, uh, trying to get to work. Because she's late all the time. That's 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 her character. Terrible trait um, to have. She's both clumsy and late, and that's those are her two character traits really. Um, so she's going in, and then we cut straight to the boardroom, and this is the most evil-looking boardroom that anyone's ever seen. It's grey all over. They've got a circular desk, like they have in Doctor Strange Love. It looks like a war room um, in any <laughs> other film, but just because they've got like. And the thing is, the main uh, villains who we are introduced to now they act so evilly that it could well be a war room unless we were told otherwise in the dialogue because Sharon Stone turns up and her evil husband George um, who, <laughs> who is uh, is, that him? is that his name? George yeah Oh, terrible. Uh, unless I've totally misremembered their, their name is Hadare which is a name that I spent the entire film working out how to trying to work out how to spell um, and so Sharon Stone and George Hedare <laughs> are um, talking to their, I guess, their shareholders or something in their evil war room. They're saying, we've got to grow up as a company. We've got to change. Sharon Stone's too old now. She's 40. She can't be the face of our company. Yeah, they, just, they suddenly just start having like a verbal domestic fight. It's ve- They have a very... In the middle of work. A very strained relationship. It, that is, in, in a film filled with no subtlety this is the least subtle aspect of the entire film because every conversation they have is so aggressive towards each other <laughs> and like it's not there's no passive aggression it is just active aggression they 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 don't hold back every conversation they have and sometimes they go out of their way to have conversations with each other that are just awful um yeah after i know this is cutting forward a little bit to, but straight yeah. after that scene it goes into like just those two in a room, and he and he's going. I don't know why you're like this, but I don't. I don't he's also Asian. exactly like that. I know. I mean, and he is even English, but which is a, 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 oh, I've got, a villain stereotype. I've got an and issue I don't with know that who as the well. Actor is it? Well, it took me about forty minutes 
into the fifth. Actually, no, it might have been longer than that. I'll check my notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. An hour and ten minutes in was when I realised that he was supposed to be doing an English accent. Because yeah, to start I with, am. I was like, oh, he's English. Oh, wait, maybe he's French? <laughs> maybe he's French-Canadian? <laughs> he sounds like he might be French-Canadian doing an English accent. Um, but I feel like the actor got on set one day and was like, you know what, Petoff? I've got an idea for that. You said my character was evil, so I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little character work here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make him English. It's where the trope the started. Are. Exactly. <laughs> the uh, the he's genesis. A, of he's the a pioneer. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're looking back and laughing. <laughs> it seemed crazy at the time, but it was really genius. Oh, I, um, so so they're in this boardroom, and mm-hmm. they're discussing the future of the company, and the decision is that they're going to be having a new face of the company, which is this. <laughs> To start with, probably middle twenties model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They then show a, a picture of their product with someone who has got the worst skin condition I've ever seen suddenly <laughs> like reversing back into their head. And then all this bitching and moaning starts between the between the couple. And the wife makes a joke about the the model that they're using being underaged. <laughs> made me feel very uncomfortable yeah is it i mean that i don't think they've brought themselves in this first scene to look like a very trustworthy company i'll be honest uh so i i, I think i think them using an underaged model is is probably par for the course with them and that, <laughs> i mean may, maybe sharon stone is only 18 years old and that's why they're getting rid of her because uh, <laughs> they have a very strict policy on that but um, so they have this um, cosmetic product that they that, that is like the landmark of their company that's put them on the map and allowed them to pay for this very shiny, very grey boardroom. Um, it literally called, reverses aging. It's called a Beulene, but it's spelled Bowline because <laughs> that, that's what I looked up, and uh, I don't understand how they got Beulene from that. Because I, I guess like this first bit of beautiful, if you pronounced it very oddly. I thought it was but, a, a, it's kind of a throw forwards to Benjamin Button because it's reversing the aging effects. That's a good bit. I think that's almost certainly the the case. Um, so so this they've got this Beulene product, and that that comes back to play because we cut now to uh, a little uh, talk with Patience Phillips, our hero, our favourite character in the movie so far of the three that we've met um her and she's talking with um sally her friend oh i never paid attention to her name so that's useful sally yeah and she's uh i'll be honest i didn't expect her to be so big in the film uh physically showed up uh (laughs) my mouth chris um (laughs) but she's she's like look i got beulene early before it's even been released uh because i work at this company and and she's just slathering it on her face like like uh, I don't know what you slather on your face. I was trying to make a comparison there, but that never came out. Um, so we so, so we've that, been introduced to four characters so far. One of them is indeed. a terrible employee who's always late. One of them's a terrible <laughs> employee who steals the product before it's even released. And the other I two, she's stealing. I think that's like a, a kickback that she gets for being like a like an artist. I don't know what she does. It's never. Explained the way the patient uh, brings it up, she's like, "How do you always get these products early?" Uh, it seems very, <laughs> very backhanded to me. 
Well, the the thing is, there is, her main character trait in the film is that she's constantly horny <laughs> and like trying to trying to get with people. So maybe she's got like an insider at, at the at the lab. Maybe her, maybe she's who came between George and Sharon Stone. Oh my god! Let's see, these are the fan theories about Catwoman that I think a the that the world wanted, needs and b the universe needed. <laughs> um, so. So that scene happens. We're introduced to Sally and we're like, okay, new favourite character. Which is, not at this point. That's an exaggeration at this point. But later on, you realise that she is trying by far the hardest of any actor in the film. Um, so we, we leave that scene and we go straight into the executive's office that they share, despite being very upset with each other all the time. And they're fighting. Uh, Shock. I guess they've got nothing better to do. I mean, George is a terrible person because everything he says is awful, uh, which will be shown throughout the film. Um, I don't. I can't remember what they're fighting about at this bit. I think it's because of the. Uh... I think it's the younger model. She she feels kind of pushed aside because she's getting. the The problem is they've got this face cream that reverses. Mm-hmm. Sharon Stone in this film has got perfect skin. I know. So there is literally there is literally no reason. To get rid of her as the face of the company, other than her husband George is just not attracted to her anymore. He's looked at her and gone, nah. (laughs) Um, So they're fighting, but then Patience comes in. um, Because she's got her new ad design that she wants to show. She's talking to Sally about it. She's like, you know what? I think this is the one. I think they're going to take this. Immediately, Uh, this bothers the believability of the film for me. Along with the rest of it. But why... (laughs) Why is this the chain of command? She works in the marketing department, but <laughs> delivers directly to the CEO of the company and his wife. <laughs> the, the married CEOs, they, they look over everything. I mean, there are two CEOs, so I think they've got enough time on their hands to look at every single design. Eventually, they can take a break from their, from their fighting. <laughs> I mean, they're overworked. They, they have to look over the, every single machination of this giant company of course they're going to be stressed i don't see why we're judging them this much (laughs) um so she shows george her design and he's like wow this is the worst thing i've ever seen i hate it better (laughs) (laughs) he hates it it's the worst thing he's ever seen it's it's Uh, the not it's not the right red patience (laughs) i asked you for this red and you gave me this red and it's not the right red How, you should have known. You should have known about my favourite red. And at this point, the memo. at this point, I started to decide with George a little bit. Because <laughs> I'll be honest, the red was like us. Yeah. Didn't fill me with excitement for Beulene. Beulene. Um, I, I mean, we've got to side with him because he's very reasonable. Uh, I, the th- this is it takes two scenes for you to realise that this was. This is perhaps the most hateable character in any film ever. Not because he does the worst things, but because he takes he ha- he fills the most amount of screen time with just being a dick. Like he wastes no time at all. There is no time when he's like, "Oh, patience, thanks for coming. I'm re- I really appreciate you doing your work." Before he sees the thing, he's already impatient, and then he says it's terrible. He fills every moment with just terrible stuff, and that's how you make a good villain. That's why this film is fantastic. One of the, one of those good uh, villain traits is that you never see it coming. <laughs> and I, I you just always expect them to be terrible. Yeah, I just never got that with him. 
because he's he's evil from the from the out (laughs) well you gotta know it's it's a film for children uh, except for all the oddly sexual moments but anyway (laughs) (laughs) oh i've got notes about that now so uh then we cut after this scene after patience is horribly dismissed by george we cut to her in bed it's 3 57 a.m according to her clock and uh uh-oh then her neighbors that, that's that's are some a loud party. that's some great technical work there by the way exactly that they they managed to uh, to cut the shot from the from the clock to her directly as it goes from three fifty six to three fifty seven yeah, exactly that's probably Space, some of the hardest work that they did <laughs> in this film I think, I think the CGI workers probably did the most work of anyone on this movie uh, and the whip coach. <laughs> that, no joke, that came up in every interview I found. They talked about how Halle Berry sucked with the whip at first, and then she became amazing with the whip. But it's in, like, two scenes. And at the end, I'm pretty sure she's CGI when she craps the whip. Anyway. Yeah, one of them's Harrison Ford in a Catwoman costume. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the things you've got to think about, is that every time you don't see Halle Berry's face in a fight scene, that is probably a man in a wig. <laughs> or probably a CGI version. <laughs> it's one of the two. Um, so it's 3.57am and um, she's trying to sleep as we all do at 357 um, and her neighbours are having a very loud party um, and she's like stop, stop being loud it's it's if, very late if we were going to do like, an actual reenactment of it what she actually does is stop, stop, <laughs> stop please stop being loud trying to shout <laughs> across an alleyway into an open window that is blaring out music and she's like no please Please, please, I'm trying to sleep, please. <laughs> and then this uh this sort of biker guy, um, with long hair goes No <laughs> what? <laughs> No. Why would we? We're having such a fun time and we don't care about you. He says that all with uh, his eyes though, because they couldn't afford to pay him any money for the lines. <laughs> He's paid by the word, so they have to keep costs down. Um and t- so that's another character that we're introduced to who is just very weirdly unreasonable. Um, I'm not sure there's all... any nice characters in this entire film. There are... Oh, there's a couple. I... He sat... Yeah, yeah, some of the... I mean, Hunky Cop is pretty amazing. <laughs> Hunky Cop. We've got to admit. Um, but, uh, I mean, the worst detective ever, but he is pretty amazing. Um, at least he's portrayed that way. Because everyone loves him immediately. So we've 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 passed this scene. She she goes back to bed. Oh because... no, you've missed some foreshadowing there. She looks down and there's a cat sitting on a motorbike. And the cat. If I had to mention every single time there was a cat, this this synopsis would be five times longer. <laughs> the the cat looks up and meows louder than she asked them to to quiet <laughs> the music. She looks up midnight. and then she looks down, and then the cat is gone. It's, it's a superpowered cat. Of course it can do that. And then she goes back to bed. Okay. Thank you for, for catching that. <laughs> you put the cat into catching that. It's some of the uh, a subtle foreshadowing again in the film that practically drop kicks you in the face. The audience sees it and they go, oh, this movie is called Catwoman. I think that'll come into play later. That's interesting. And speaking of later, the very next scene, Patience wakes up and sees the very same cat at her window. Um, and and like any normal person, uh, she she climbs out of her window to get the cat. Um, and so then the cat's the gone. Yeah, 
<clears throat> and it's up, it's sort of up and to the side now, and she's trying to grab it because she's now on her ledge like a sane person. Um, because despite her having to go to work, she's decided that no, I'm going to chase this cat out the window and try and grab it. The um, the decision that... was made as well within about twenty seconds of her seeing the cat reaching yeah. her arm up and going come down, and the cat doesn't come down. So she goes, you know what the next step is in this course of action? Get out on the ledge that on I've never ledge. climbed on before. <laughs> that's like three or four stories up. She would die if she fell. Oh yeah, hundred uh, uh, percent. So so it was an odd decision to make. Is it probably I would. I would describe it as poorly written, but I, w- I, d- I think that'd be a bit rude. It's quite bold. Um, yeah. Uh, so then we are introduced to our second main character, uh, Benjamin Bratt, as Detective Tom Lone. The fastest um, moving police officer you will ever see on screen. He is the only detective in the city because he sh- will find out that he shows up at every crime scene and he is always there. Um, he's like, oh god, a woman on a ledge. She's probably trying to kill herself. Never takes which... a day off, this guy. <laughs> he <laughs> hates pro- crime. And and I don't know what he was there for. But, um, pro- pro- whoever was actually like calling to say they were being mugged is probably now like murdered. They've been stabbed and killed while this guy is focusing on Catwoman on the ledge. Um, and then she is still trying to get the cat. She's like, no, I'm not trying to kill myself. I'm just trying to get this cat. And then she steps out onto a, an air conditioning unit, which sturdy looking, fall, which and that starts the fall. So she grabs on and is like about to fall and die. So he's like, "Where are you? I'll come. I'll. I'm pretty. I'm pretty goddamn fast. <laughs> pretty I'll nimble. Come up and get you." And then she's like, "I'm in this number apartment. I didn't note down which one it was because it's really not important." So he runs up, however many Does, stories. Doesn't bother about the security of getting in the building in the first place. Yeah, I'm not sure how he... Uh, obviously, she she leaves her door unlocked. Fly, he flies up, like, three stories. and then, In the space of about two seconds. And then if, he do, it, if she does leave the door open, he doesn't care because he just kicks through the door. <laughs> he kicks it off its hinges <laughs> and just leaves it on the ground. Pra- practically phases through the room <laughs> to, to land outside the window and catch her as she falls. Honestly... With one arm. As well, he just gra- grabs her in one arm. Pulls her inside and she barely even says thanks. He's just saved her <laughs> life and she's like, there's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, mate. But have you seen the cat? Like, come on. And then the cat disappears. The cat is no longer there uh, because it's magic, which we'll find out later. Um, and this is the meet cute that we get between Tom Lone and Patience Phillips. And let me say that the chemistry is... Um, Explosive, I think, is the only way. To I, I, properly I would go with lacking, but <laughs> um, like I, I have never seen two uh, two characters on screen be more suited for each other, and this this scene really gets it. She goes, um, "There's a cat out there." He's like, "You probably shouldn't be out on the ledge," and she goes, "Oh God, I'm late for work," and she just runs straight out of the door, leaving him in her apartment. That's with with the broken door because he's because <laughs> yeah. he's just. Bombarded through. I like to imagine it like Friday the Thirteenth, where where Jason Voorhees just like disintegrates doors when he walks into them. He does. So he, he kicks it and it just shatters. Casting wise, as well, he does look like the kind of guy that would probably hang around to steal some of her used panties. I don't know what your implication by that is. 
I think he's probably a bit of a pervert. Well, well, perhaps. His his second name is Brat. So there you um, go. He's into the BDSM. So just after this, we uh, we cut to uh, patients at work because she was late. We need to get there quickly as well. And that we the cut into this scene is incredible. It's another CGI um, shot, isn't it? Well, the transition is 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 not as notable, I think, as the shot where Lance, our, our second friend of patience that we get, uh, who has maybe the worst facial hair of any character in any film ever, <laughs> um, pops up over the cubicle and um, and says the words, Man Sandwich, 12 o'clock, which I thought um, is one of the better lines that I've heard in a long time. Uh, man Sandwich, 12 o'clock. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't imagine anything in its place that would sum anything up better. It's one of those audible aphrodisiacs, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it kind of is because in this scene, everyone in the uh, the office becomes unstoppably horny. But I think that is more <laughs> more so because just uh, because the man sandwich that Lance is referring to is. Um, is in fact Benjamin Bratt's Tom Lone. He's back. He's chased down after patients. He's stalked her back to her office. It, I mean, it would have um, been pretty easy, bearing in mind she left him at her house, which has got pretty much all of her information in, I'd assume. Because <laughs> she left her purse, which is what he was returning. I don't know what. Because he said she dropped it. I don't know if she dropped that in her apartment or on the way. And she drops it as she's leaving, her. as literally okay. like in front of her door. <laughs> it's snagged on the various shards of door that he's left. Um, <laughs> the splinters so, that remain. <laughs> um, so, so um, hunky cop Tom Lone walks in, and um, literally the whole office is just salivating Wet. at the sight. Yeah, just it, people are drowning. This is this, and then we cut to patients drowning. This is what it was at the start of the film. <laughs> because everyone's so wet at the sight of Benjamin Bratt. Who, must, might I say, he's an attractive man, but I don't think this level of attractive. He's, like, <laughs> slightly above average. If it were, like, a Hemsworth brother, and they walked Yeah, in, you could kind maybe. of understand it. This is one of those guys where you look at him and you go, probably a seven. Like, above, above <laughs> yeah. average, which is a five or six. But not it's head turning for kind. a movie star. So, some of these like, people are like turning around and looking at him without even realizing he's in the room in the first place. So they're. <laughs> I know it's like it, he's got it an aura only... about him. I know he he um is an area of effect attack that he has to just make everyone very obviously horny. Uh, one person of which is Sally, um, who obviously is taking Buleen, so she cares about how she looks. And and uses this to uh, emphasize her second character trait, her horniness, which is, um, which is <laughs> unstoppable horniness to <laughs> any man. Um, as she approaches the man sandwich, um, and does the classic uh, flirting approach that we've all used, which is to um, take the person's name and just start rhyming it, just rhyme it with all sorts of words. She goes, "Tom Lone." Just like a bone, just like a tone, just like a alone. That's the same word twice. Oh God, it's all gone wrong, and it does go wrong because uh, Tom Lone isn't interested in the rhymes that she has to offer. Dating one hundred and one. Um, rhyme the name. Rhyme it. Rhyme it. 
Rhyme and Simon. That's that's one for you. Stop Don't... it, Joe. The, I'm I'm getting should... I'm getting erect. <clears throat> should be charging for that, but uh, so so that doesn't work. Tom Lone plays it off without. He's just like cool. He's cool as a cucumber. He he, he smiles and just like I'm probably not interested. That's a bit weird. It's what you get as a uh, seven, isn't it? Yeah. Just that, that nonchalance, the, that arrogance of the privilege rhyme, that you get. Rhyme my name all you want. Not gonna not gonna affect me. I'm above I've it. I've got more. There's more fish in the sea, and I've I'm attracted to fish. That's what he said I've got, in the movie. I've got my rod out. Exactly. Oh god, that's a better pun than I could think of. I was just trying to make him seem like a. A, a person who has sex with fish. Um, <laughs> so, um, he's like, hey, Patience, I learnt your name by looking at your wallet, because here's your wallet. Because you, you didn't it. tell me your name when I saved your life about 20 <laughs> minutes ago. Um, I mean, he is pretty entitled, because he does return her wallet, and then is immediately like, so, maybe we should... I mean, we're both pretty attractive people. How about we go on a date? Which is, this frankly... Is uncomfortable this is, <laughs> this is another thing life, about their attractiveness mm-hmm. he is probably about a seven Halle Berry even when she is like the lowly introverted patient is yeah. probably a nine in, yeah. in my opinion so t- I mean 2004 absolutely he is punching so far out of his league well this is movie world where Benjamin Bratt is actually the hottest man on the planet. This is true. No matter the time. <clears throat> so, uh, she says yes to the date because it's not creepy at all for a policeman to ask you out after saving you. That's just natural in movie land. That's um, how America works. So, they've got this date set up. Tomorrow, they're going to get coffee. Brilliant. This is good news. Patience is... Look, she may have got shouted at for being a terrible artist, but... She's got a date. It's all going to be good. All she has to do is not get murdered before the date, and then just going to be—it's going to be great. But unfortunately, that that might not happen. It's one of those because, tough ones, isn't it? How to not be um, murdered before your first date with a hot cop? It's one of those exactly. wiki hows that I'm sure is about. It's, and it's probably quite short because I don't think there's many steps needed to not be murdered before your date with hunky cop Tom Lone. <laughs> um, so. Now we need to find out how Patience gets her next draft into the the exec. Um, So she's staying late to finish it off. Um, And she's finished, but she calls up the courier and there's no one to take it to the exec. It's before Um, Amazon, isn't it? No one's working working late back in 2004. They're all lazy. It's the relics of the early 2000s. Um, So now her obvious decision is, I've got to take it in myself. But this time, for, for whatever reason, she doesn't go to... The exec's office. She ju- she goes to an R and D lab for the on the, the outskirts of town. You know what it is, why? Joe. I I know I know exactly why she's done this. Why she's claiming it all on overtime. <laughs> oh my god! I didn't even think of that. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. I, this doesn't explain why. I, so you so you so you're inferring that she's doing this as like a wild goose chase, so she can. So she's going out to the uh, the lab to hand it in, and then just going straight back to the office. Yeah, she's she's charging petrol at forty five p a mile. <laughs> so instead of going up to the office, she's gone. Oh, outskirts of town. That'll earn me a little bit more. And it takes yeah. a little bit extra time to drive there and to drive back, which is technically still on work time. So she's going. Oh, I could do with another pair of beige clothing. 
See, this is the... Uh, th we needed this in a, a little title card. We needed that because that wasn't in the film. We just cut straight to her going to the lab. Does it, it doesn't um, tell you where the lab is either. Like, normally in these no, movies, it goes... R&D lab. But it, it just cuts to this place and we're expected to know exactly where it is. It could be any building because this is a new building for the viewer. We don't know what it is. She turns up. We know it was made deserted. in The Sims. Yeah. <laughs> um... She turns up and it's deserted, as it would be at this time. Um, so she goes around the back and... How long has it taken it, her to get there as well? Because it is like middle of the night at this point. Yeah. I don't and think she feels that one, late. I think normally one would assume that like there's no one in there because it's A, locked, and B, the middle of the night. So I don't know why anyone would assume that there's people in there. She's right, there are, but not for the right reasons. Um, so it's locked. She goes round the back and gets in a door that isn't locked. Convenient. Um, <laughs> helpful for the plot. but uh, It's also very so helpful she... for the plot that when she then enters the building, <laughs> they are having the conversation about the new product right at the precise <laughs> moment she walks into the room. Not just the conversation about the new product, but it's a scientist saying, we can't release the product. It scars people. He is very over the top. And he is very adamant that Biolene not be released because, as his slideshow states, it causes people to have Heath Ledger Joker scars it's all over their face. quite horrific to look at. And I don't understand why, when the scientist is going, it does this, and people are looking at it going, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> well, Sharon Stone says, I don't have an exact quote, but it's something along the lines of, I don't care if it scars people, it's going to make us so much money. Um, which is... A great statement on capitalism that Petoff is making here. And he makes some great statements about feminism through Sharon Stone as well. So I think Sharon Stone is really his voice uh, <laughs> for the voiceless, really, which Petoff has proven to be um, in the in the 16 years since Catwoman has come out. Undeniably. Um, it's one of the family names for directors. Petoff. He sounds like a horrible starter at a restaurant. I'll have the Petoff. Or a terrible dessert. He sounds more like a dessert. So, some sort of toffee-pea combination. Um, which does sound horrible, now that I've said it out loud. Um, so, we're seeing this um, meeting that they're having. And Patience is just walking around with her design. She's like, I really need to find one of the CEOs so that I can hand this in. In this deserted uh, lab that nobody is yeah. in. That she's like, this might not be the right track, but I've got no time. I need to hand this in, or I'm going to die. Look, this is me just filling in story because the writers weren't uh, weren't <laughs> when ready to asked enough to do it. <laughs> um, they were cowards, so is what they were. She's this is this is very. It, there's no geometry to this lab. She's just walking around. There's like fences everywhere. There's just like mesh fences everywhere. Yeah, before there's proper open plan really kicked off. This this is the lab that was pioneering. The way mm -hmm. forwards in in proper workspaces in bizarre architecture, um, and then she walks into this room and sees that that the scientist is saying that Biolene scars people. That's not good, but but that that's like gonna hurt a lot of people. Patience thinks because she's the good guy, and she's she's got her mouth agape, but she's not making any noise yet because she's slowly walking towards Sharon Stone. And the scientist who can't see her because there's a little, there's a little uh, like see-through thing that he can't see her through. Um, 
And then, just as she's about to, like, I don't know why she's walking towards the people talking, because she would get found out. And then, like, yeah, this, this is after little... she's realised that they're doing something bad, and she yeah. continues to she get close to them. She's just mesmerised by the situation. She's about to get there, and then because she's very clumsy, she f- she just randomly falls over her own feet, and then knocks a Bunsen burner over or something. Some some nondescript glassware falls and smashes, and then uh, they're like, "Get her! She's running away because we've seen her." Um, and then we are introduced to um, Sharon Stone's two goons, one who looks very much like Jet Li, and one <laughs> who looks very much like Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable how much the one guy looks like Jean-Claude Van Damme, um, <laughs> even though I looked it up and it's not him somehow. <laughs> uh, so, so our two goons are now chasing her around the lab. It's like Scooby-Doo. She's running away. They're chasing after her. She breaks physics at this point because she puts her back up to a wall. She, she's, up against, she's up against some boxes <laughs> and is still somehow casting a shadow that they see her with. Yeah. She puts up her hand. Is coming from the boxes. <laughs> that was one, it's, of the, it's one, one of the more unrealistic parts of this film. Along with the rest of, of it. it. It's an error that, like... It is something in a normal film that maybe people wouldn't notice, but they're using it in in the film to show that she's hiding behind the boxes and that they can see her shadow. And she and acknowledges that she can see uh, that they can see her. She puts yeah. up her hand and is like, <laughs> "Hi," waving her shadow at them. Don't shoot me. And then it cuts uh, to her, like a, a full-on <laughs> shot of her with her back to these boxes. Look, this is Catwoman. We don't need to worry about physics here. It gets a lot <laughs> weirder later. So, um, she's like, "Look, I'll come out. Just don't, don't hurt me, and I'll come out, and I won't say anything." So she comes out from behind the corner, and JCVD guy, he just sh- tries to shoot her in the head. Luckily, he misses. Immediate reaction. Pop one off in her head. <laughs> well, I don't want to deal with this. It's been a long night. I'm just I'm not even going to ask her what she's seen. She's in the building. <laughs> Big sexist Jean-Claude Van Damme over here. Yeah. But luckily, uh, Sharon Stone Pro- is like... He, he probably yeah, used yeah, to be in the police. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, given this climate, probably worse in 2004. So Sharon Stone's like, yeah, it's fine. Just shoot her in the face when you find her. I want her dead. No one can know about Beulene. Um, but because uh, Jean-Claude missed his shot, uh, now she's gotten away. Sh- Shawshank Redemption-esque. Oh yeah, kind she, of escape. Um, she she falls down a ramp into uh, a a like pit of slurry that all cosmetic labs have. Uh, in, <laughs> I had a real a, issue a, with this. It's kind of like this like yeah. grey substance that's never really acknowledged <laughs> that they've just got this like steps down into it. The, the kind of <laughs> steps that you get if you're at a river. And you have steps down to like get into a boat or something like this, but it's just into this yeah. like square pit. It's got this, like you said, this grey sludge. sludge. (laughs) I think it's a metaphor for Halle Berry's career. So so this grey-brownish disgusting sludge, it's it's sort of like the scene in um, Star Wars where they're in the garbage disposal pit. Yeah. uh, Except so much better. Um, So it leads into a pipe which has a human-sized hatch that she manages to get into because she's being chased. The only way is into this pipe. Um, so she goes into it to avoid being shot. But then 
Sharon Stone says, ah, she's in the pipe. Let's flush her out. Um, That'll kill her. Um, So then Jean-Claude, our favourite goon, uh, opens a panel which has a stock creak sound effect, so it sounds like a rusty metal door. (laughs) Um, He opens that and then he he presses the button and then and then Halle Berry gets washed out of the pipe into the ocean off a cliff and presumably dies. Oh, she and does like, die. Ah. This, this this is the bit where it's at the start of the film and she's kind of lying in this nondescript water. We're back to present time and now she's under the water and somehow we immediately cut and she's on a rock. We don't know how she got there. We just assume she's just washed up onto this little rock island. My and... my notes here say, how fucking high is the tide that washed her up onto these rocks? Because the <laughs> rocks must be seven or eight feet above where the water yeah. is at this point. They look kind of wet, but wet as if it might have been raining rather than that's where the tide was. Yeah. And she's just surrounded by, like, 50 cats. Yeah, but that is a point, because how on earth would... How on earth could it be covered with the tide and there still be some sort of society of cats on this island? Because there are a lot, there are at least fifty cats in this next scene, uh, where Halle Berry is dead, uh, as the opening narration told us, which was very helpful. I thank them for putting that in. <laughs> um, and she's lying on this rocky island, um, and a congregation of cats comes up to her, including. The, the cat that she was trying to save earlier, which we later learn, is called Midnight. And Midnight comes up. He's sitting on a chest, which actually I think is one of the more accurate depictions in this entire film. <laughs> it walk, Midnight walks onto her chest. Um, <laughs> and this is the most dramatic moment of the movie, probably, because there is a choir in the background. God, they are losing their mind. <laughs> uh, it is the most dramatic choir music that anyone's ever heard. She's, uh, she's lying like... there dead with her eyes open. <laughs> and Midnight yeah. is doing, if I remember correctly, some quite disturbing guttural meows. Also, before this, there is a shot where the camera flies into Midnight's mouth. I forgot about that, but that, that is definitely a shot that happens. Yeah. Um, like a death stranding. And he kind of just into vomits this fog directly into her eyes. Yeah, no, no, he burps into her mouth, which um, <laughs> is a fetish now, I'm sure. Um, but so, so this is how Catwoman gets her powers in this movie. Um, the cat, a cat, burps a green cloud into her mouth, and she breathes that in. No science and... is ever explained about it. <laughs> I, That's just I how it happens. Is expo- I think it's a, it's I akin mean, to Spider Man, where. The powers are directly given by an animal or creature. Yeah. But at least in Spider-Man it goes, oh, here's the backstory of, like, it was a radioactive (laughs) spider. At this point, it's just, from what we can tell, a normal cat vomiting. An important thing about the Spider-Man one is that spiders in real life bite people and have venom. Yeah. Cats don't burp clouds of superpowers. It's like a visible gas as well that's coming out. <laughs> yeah. It's very <laughs> odd. It's a classic scene of cinema history. Um so that happens. Um and and, and an interesting thing that that happens with Catwoman's powers in this film is that um instead of like in Spider Man, it's like Oh, he's got super strength, and he can spin a web, 
and he can cling to walls. Boom, we got it. That's it. For some reason, the cat powers just make her act exactly like a cat. So, like, oh, we'll get to it, but the scenes where she's eating tuna in bed like a cat, and I think that in my synopsis there is a running, um, there's a, a running line that says, you know, like a cat. Because there are so many things that they do in this movie where it's just like, it's so funny, guys, right? It's like she's a cat, get it? Because she's Catwoman. I've got, I have uh, got a specific list of what do we know happens when a lady becomes a Catwoman. <laughs> so this is from real life. That's, the movie. that's ready whenever you want it. Um, we'll we'll get that at the end, I think, so just to sum up the movie in terms of its approach towards what Catwoman is as a character. Right, you are. Um, so. We get the the transformation scene that's classic in any of these two thousands um, superhero movies. Like Daredevil has a scene in the hospital where he's like, "Oh my god, I can hear things really crazy loud," and Spider Man has the scene where he's like sweating in his room, like all teenagers. At this point, um, Halle Berry wakes up, and we get the mm-hmm. first indication of her powers, which is that she sees <laughs> things a little bit weird, like thing, things move. Because <laughs> things her move cats, with like eyes. Her eyes' pupil changes shape. Yeah. Like at the end of Thriller. <laughs> <laughs> and things move with this kind of like fog behind them or in front of them showing that she looks yeah. different. And then there's no other reference to it. No. Doesn't Like she doesn't even say, oh, I can see differently. Yeah, it's not like she has enhanced eyesight or something. She's just, she things just look a bit weird. And then from she's there, cat. she's lying on the floor on this random rock outcrop in the middle of the sea. <laughs> And she just gets up and walks home. And then between what, what the, f- the time that she gets up and walks home, realises that she can see different, and then she gets home and immediately is aware of what she's capable of. Because she gets to her home. To, yeah, she gets to her home. She looks up at the building. Mm-hmm. And then just jumps. straight up onto the fire escape. Yeah, but she jumps onto the first floor. Which yeah. we've already established is not where she lives. Because <laughs> she lives on the third floor. <laughs> and then just goes ham on the window. She's just like, I'm not even, <laughs> even going to try and open it. I'm just going to punch straight through it. But this suggests that she locks her window, but not her door. <laughs> because, because the detective was able to get through her front door really quickly, but she had to punch a hole in her glass window. Well, we know how easy in. it is to just jump up onto the fire escape. <laughs> and cats do have the power of being able to punch holes in glass so uh, she and then was able to do that later on in the film she opens glass a completely different way <laughs> uh, so so she's she's I guess swum back because there's a shot after she gets her powers of the city across like an ocean um, so she's like on the off, off the Gulf of Mexico or something <laughs> so she's swum back and we don't see that at all just cuts back to her like the scene where she jumps up to her thing um so she's back home she's a cat now like she just goes to sleep not even not even bothered about all the stuff that's just happened that she's woken up in the middle of nowhere with a cat on her chest and that she's just jumped one floor into the air (laughs) and she just goes to sleep like not on her bed like a normal human just on a on a shelf in the middle of her (laughs) house because that's like a cat. Cats don't sleep in beds. They sleep in the <laughs> wackiest of places. Um, and so she's sleeping in this weird position. And and we cut to her waking up. And we're like, wow, that's like a cat. Because she's sleeping in a weird position. So already 
we're laughing our absolute faces off because she's turning into a cat. It's Catwoman, get it? guys, get it. Um, so uh, she only just realizes she's alive again at this moment. So she's freaking out. She's like, "Oh my god, I'm a, I'm, I thought I was dead." What happened I, I, last night? I I conveniently can't remember. Yeah, because. I, d- I don't know. I don't know why she has like because there's part. Moments... That's part of the cat fog. <laughs> the cat fog. Part... It was a fog on her brain. Um, that's part of the cat fog. She... It, it gives you all these special cat character. I'm not going to call them abilities because they're characteristics. Yeah, cat cat characteristics. <laughs> the worst pun that anyone's ever said. <laughs> we uh, we can cut that. <laughs> uh, I've lost my train of thought because of that horrible. Pun. It gives all the, the the cat fog gives these characteristics, but 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 completely wipes her memory from the last seventeen or eighteen hours. Well, there are some times in the movie where she's like not realised what she's done as a cat, because there's a scene later where she steals a bunch of jewellery and then she's co- she's covered in jewellery in bed. Classic and cat fog. Like, that. Whoa! I don't remember doing that. Uh, but currently, she remembers that. Uh, she has just missed her date with hunky cop Tom Lone, which is the biggest tragedy of the film so far. Um. So she call um. Oh no, I I'm I'm jumping around too much. So, she she sees midnight again in her apartment because it's because uh, midnight's stalking her a bunch. Midnight just goes sees... wherever he pleases, doesn't he? Well, if you've got the powers of Bast, you would, wouldn't you? I would. Um. So she gets a little name tag on his collar and sees the name Ophelia Powers. Uh, and I think she looks her up in the phone book and tracks her down. Directly to, to her, her house. Her house, which looks like the house from Up, uh, but sort of s- spookier. I have an issue with her name as well. Because her name is Ophelia literally Ophelia Powers. That's because that's what she does. And that is she really the best that Hollywood can come up with. <laughs> on, on a budget, which I think you told me was a hundred million. This was a hundred million dollar. And movie. the scriptwriter went, "Oh, feel your powers." Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I feel your powers. There we go. Makes me it's, sick to my just, stomach. I think that's actually just brilliant. It's just <laughs> clever, and you don't appreciate it. Um, so she tracks her down, and uh, Ophelia Powers opens the door. She's a little ooky spooky. She's a little. You're like this. This is like a little alternative character. She's a bit, bit a bit. They've, weird. they've tried She's... to glam up the look of a crazy cat lady. Yes, is what they've yeah, done. It feels exactly like that. She she looks like she's into some occult stuff. She she um, which we find out later. But so. she also looks like she'd make a really tasty apple pie. Yes, actually, very much so. And she's got the porch to sort of have that happen. Mm. Um, so. Um, pay, so Ophelia Power says that pay, uh, that patience has now become a Mao, um, not Mao Zedong. No, uh, thankfully, though not far off. Um, <laughs> so so midnight is a Mao cat, and because he burped into her mouth, patience is now sort of a Mao. And some say that that Maos have special powers. And then she turns to the camera and winks. Uh, she doesn't actually do that but it's basically that heavy handed um, and then Halle Berry's like whoa no way no way cat cat brought me back to life I mean I'll, I'll, I, 
I was dead and now I'm alive, but a cat burping in my mouth is too far. Um, I, know I've so already, leaves... I know I've already said this a few times, but this is mm-hmm. another, another thing that I've got massive issues with. Because yeah. she's then like, oh, no, I don't believe you. I don't believe what you're saying. I'm going to turn mm-hmm. and leave. Ophelia Powers then goes, <laughs> hey, catch this, and throws her this random little ball. And Halle Berry immediately grabs the ball <laughs> and is, like, shoving it all up against her face. And it's, ca- this was it's the clip. catnip. Which is this like... was the clip used at, um, at the Razzies to show her terrible performance. <laughs> because it is bizarre. Of her rubbing this catnip ball on her face. And then they take the catnip off. And Ophelia Powers just goes, it's catnip. And <laughs> Halle Berry's still got this kind of, like, it looks like tea leaves. Yeah. Just, like, rubbed all up against her nose and her mouth and she's twitching her face. And then it just cuts to her walking down the street. So pres- oh, That's another great scene. <laughs> so, so presumably, that interaction just ended with her going thanks for throwing the catnip at my face i'm still leaving at, at no She's point like, in no, there has she gone crazy. at no point in there has she gone i should probably ask you some more questions about this <laughs> um well well we find out that she's very stubborn about the the cat powers thing because she's walking down the street in the next scene which is a scene that is added to the pantheon of of great superhero scenes where they're walking down the street losing their mind, as we see in Spider-Man 3. Um, so she's walking down the street, and she's like, oh, God, no. And she turns around, and she's like, oh, God, no, that, that's stupid. And then she turns around again, and no one on the street is reacting, because this is normal in this world. Um, so that's the extent of that scene. She's just sort of losing her mind, walking down the street, and we cut to, in the office, Patience has a face-down drawing, Um which I guess is like a cat, I assume so, because of what this film is doing to me. Um, <laughs> and then George Hadare, we, we've spent too much time away from George, so... We need, we need com- reminding that he's evil. Yeah, so he comes in and he shouts at her. Um, I'll be honest, I can't actually remember what he's shouting about this time. I think it's because he hates her, her design again. I think it's probably just because he hates women. That, I think uh, that's his character, he just hates women. He's a, he's a- you would only assume... You can only assume that he just holds all the worst opinions that there are. Um, But this time, because... uh, Because of the cat fog. Yeah, because Patience is a cat now, um, she says... Screw you. This isn't getting through to you? Let me try the remix. And then she's (laughs) like... That's actually one of the... Oh, that's actually a line in it as well. That's not you just ad-limbing. No. uh, (laughs) That's the terrible thing, is that let me try the remix is... Uh, is a line in that scene, and she says, "Yeah, you're, you're a, you're a, you're a, you, you, you're a jerk. You're you a bully. Suck. You're a big bully. <laughs> you're, uh, you're a meanie, meanie, <laughs> meanie, bobini." And he fires her over that. He's like, "Not even a warning. Like, you don't like me? Get out of my office. I pay for this. I'm paying you, but I'm not paying you anymore because you're fired." And then not even a warning. Can... Either that, or she is currently already on her last warning, which means this well, she might not be her first album. <laughs> yeah, who's to say the cat powers did this? Maybe she does this every time. <laughs> she just got personality disorder. Maybe that's why he's so mad because all of his uh, employees call him an arsehole every day. <laughs> um, so, um, and then she he finds out that she was actually doodling him as Satan, and uh, she leaves because she's been fired. And then the whole office claps her. They're like, well done. 
they, they, they can't even have waited for him to fully leave the room before they just give, <laughs> give her the most rapturous round of applause. He I must mean, feel so... No wonder he's grumpy. He <laughs> uh, I mean, no one mentions in any other scene how he's awful, even though it's very obvious. Um, so, so that happens, and we get back to the street, because she's just been fired. She's walking around with Sally... They're like, oh, it's all fine. You'll find another job, I guess. Um, and then she sees a necklace in the window of a uh, jewellery store. And she's like, I need to have that. I'm a cat. And a cat burglar, <laughs> that's a pun. It's got to happen. Classic uh, trait of cats. They love wearing they necklaces. They love jewellery. They love it. Can't more get than anything it. So it, that famous song, Diamonds Are a Cat's Best Friend. <laughs> uh and just as she's um, salivating over this necklace, Sally faints and collapses. Um, and we don't know why. Why has Sally fainted? We're so worried for her um, her well-being because we love the character of Sally. We love how horny she is for every man. And to see her gone would be terrible. So we, we just wanted, straight to them. We just wanted to get her back to her, her normal horny self. Exactly. It, it's the most fun that we've had in this movie, other than Let's let me try the remix. And uh, there's, there's the no full sound either at that point. She's Halle Berry turns to look at the to look at the necklace and then turns round, and her friend is just on the floor. Well, she has a very cotton filled uh, jumper <laughs> on, so it breaks her fall. Luckily, um, and then so immediately cut... cuts to the hospital. Yes, yes, it does. Um, and, and Sally have no idea what's wrong with her. <laughs> and and Sally's back to her normal horny self because she's just. <laughs> gagging over the doctor. I assume whatever is causing her condition is also what is raising her libido so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're talking there for a, for a moment. I have actually written the words, but she is incredibly horny for her doctor in, <laughs> in my synopsis because that is her first reaction at the hospital. She's like, yeah, I'm fine, but have you seen this doctor? I really, really want him Just to... Just want a slice of me. him. I want a slice of that Dr. Pie. And... Um, uh, and then she says to patients, she's like, but you missed your date with, with Tom Lone. You need to go and get him. And she says, go give him some brown sugar, which is, I, I don't know how racist it is, but it's very close. It's definitely inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> De- definitely should not have been in the script in the first place. But no. being as it did, it should not have made the final cut. <laughs> Pete off should have had the discretion to, to stop that from coming in. Um, so, uh, Patience calls up the um, police department and asks, where's Tom Lone? I need to find him. So they tell this random person where Tom Lone is. Uh, and she finds him... Cop safety being, 101. Being a hero, because he is the only uh, detective in the city. He is the, the guy who has to talk to all the kids in school. Uh, and he's just... He's holding a basketball casually because he's just a cool guy, you know. He's holding a basketball, sitting on a chair backwards, talking to these kids about uh, about being safe in the city and what police officers do. And the kids are like, "I want to. Sh- will you shoot your gun? Shoot, shoot your gun, gun for me. Ceiling. Shoot your gun. Shoot, it. shoot, shoot your gun in this. Pussy. <laughs> shoot your gun in this school. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Why won't you shoot your gun? Shoot it, I dare you. I fucking dare you." <laughs> Um, and he's like, no, I'm not going to shoot my gun. That's stupid. Um, and then for some reason, they both 
Patience gives Tom Lone a coffee, and it says sorry on it because I mean his name is spelled very wrong. Classic Starbucks. (laughs) My name's Tom Lone, not sorry. (laughs) My my, my name's Hunky Cop Tom Lone. So he's like absolutely charmed by this this gesture of patience, and they go out into the playground with the kids because they don't actually have a teacher. And they have to, to teach them how to play basketball. Um, so here's one... hunky cop Tom Malone, who then <laughs> moonlights as a teacher, and then also moonlights as a lunch lunch lady, lunch man. <laughs> so, look, this is 2020. This well, is a, lunch a lunch person. Man. Lunch person. <laughs> lunch person. Lunch officer. <laughs> um, so... Would you would you like my very brief synopsis of this next part of the film, which yeah, kind of hit me around the face like a bat. So this is a very famous scene from the movie in which the oh, two main it? characters play basketball. So, yeah. so I've I've put all of a sudden Halle Berry is a Harlem Globetrotter whilst wearing <laughs> flared sleeves and almost molesting a grown man in front of children. <laughs> it's it's not the best representation of basketball. Um, they're goaded into it by one of the kids who says play one on one adults I've never met and then <laughs> Tom Lone's like, no, I'm too cool for that. I couldn't possibly. And then Patience is like, you scared? Are you a chicken? And then they have a game of one-on-one. She grabs the ball, and the cameraman sort of loses all his faculties <laughs> and, and starts shaking everywhere because she's she is laughing maniacally while moving this ball around and doing dribble moves. Uh, and she does a jump off the wall for some reason. And then uh, acts and... like it's completely normal. She's like, <laughs> come at me, bruh. <laughs> yeah. She does some, like, wire foo off the wall and does jumps, like, six feet in the air. <laughs> um, and then starts posterizing uh, Tom Lowe. <laughs> in a very odd way, because she is mainly just, like... Um, She's using it as an excuse her... to, like, get as physically close as possible while it's still... Very... Not odd in front of a bunch of children because it is very sexually charged. All <laughs> this R and B music is playing in the background. Their their lips are so close to touching, <laughs> and these kids must be watching like, this isn't <laughs> basketball. Yeah, <laughs> like we've never met these people. They just sort of showed up at our school. I don't know what our teacher is, but uh... <laughs> this police officer is, is supposed to be there teaching them what's right and what's wrong. <laughs> And there's basically molestation going on <laughs> in the playground. It's it's basically sexual tension through the language of basketball. Which ends uh, with her kind of like dunking over him. Yeah. And then landing on top of him as if she was riding him cowgirl. It's it's absurd. It's an absurd moment. <laughs> Very inappropriate for a school situation. Um it, it's it I don't think any description could possibly uh, do justice to how bizarre the scene is, um, but they t- they certainly make some decisions, and I, I can't take that away from them. Um, so we cut now to Sharon Stone in her office, and um, she looks out the window and sees George and says to her assistant, "Bloody hate George! I don't know if you've known this. I don't know if you could tell from our conversations, but I hate George because he's always talking to other women." And I and and I just hate him because he's really evil and I hate him. And then she grabs a a, a whiskey glass, quite quite and she just a crushes thick, it in her hand. quite a thick glass as well. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if you've ever tried to break glass with your hand. I haven't, but I have gripped glass quite hard. 
And I don't know how much strength is required to break like a, a small, thick whiskey glass. Maybe it's the Biuline that's giving her this strength. <laughs> Unhuman power. <laughs> uh, it doesn't cut her skin either, because maybe because of the Biuline. Oh, we... let's, let's, not, let's not spoil anything. I'm sorry if I spoil Catwoman 2004 <laughs> in this podcast where we synopsize the entire movie. <laughs> um, so... That's that whole scene. She uh, crushes the, the whiskey glass in her hand. And then it just cuts um, to Halle Berry, who's just chowed yep. down on, like, five <laughs> tins of she, tuna. She's she's lying in her bed like a schoolgirl doing her homework. <laughs> and uh, and she's, she's eaten about a dozen cans of tuna. And she's on the phone to Sally talking about... Uh, she's like, yeah, I totally, I totally bodied Tom in this basketball game. It went great. We were, like, basically inside each other at one point. And, <laughs> and he couldn't smell that, the fish on my breath. <laughs> she says the line I had to <laughs> I had to go Shaquille on his butt <laughs> which is uh, probably written by think... Shaquille <laughs> I think Shaq himself he, he was in as a guest it. writer <laughs> I hope he got royalties for that line <laughs> um, um, I, I don't know if that line was acceptable in 2004, but it certainly isn't now. <laughs> the actual um, scriptwriter didn't know sport, so he just goes, "Oh, <laughs> I'll just ask Shaq what he'd say." What, uh, what if you? Go, <laughs> what if you I went one Tom on one? Brady on him. <laughs> <laughs> I had to whip out the old Tony Hawk on him. I don't know I, about I, you, but real... I was playing a game of softball the other day, and I proper Babe Ruthed them. <laughs> I was playing chess and I had to go Andre Agassi on him, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> Just this writer who has no idea about sports at all. I feel Mickelson the hell out of that golf ball. <laughs> oh my god. So, yeah. I, so she's I mean, eating she, tuna and dropping some and she, sick sports <laughs> analogies. S- <laughs> so, I was going to say analysis <laughs> um, So she went Shaquille on his butt um, And she's walking around um, Her apartment like a cat She's just like walking on the On the on the work surface and, and stuff And apparently doesn't weigh anything Because she walks on the back of the sofa without it tipping over That really bothers me Well she's me. a cat so I, th- I don't think you realise she's a cat She so. She is a cat And uh, and Sally is on the phone Go, um, Sorry just just going back to that basketball scene that's another yeah. thing that cats are renowned for. They have sick, <laughs> sick basketball skills. Well, Kobe Bryant was originally referred to as the caramel cat. So... <laughs> that's not even a joke. That's true. Before he was the black mambo, he was a caramel cat. <laughs> uh, uh, there's a reason that name did not stick. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> because cats are inherently bad at basketball. Well, I'm sure black mambos aren't much better. <laughs> they don't have arms. <laughs> um... So, while this call is happening, Sally is um he's she's at the reception desk of the the hospital and she's just like stolen their phone I guess and she is making headway in her attempt to romance her doctor. So so we're like, well done, Sally. You, in every scene, you've been very horny, um, and I'm glad that even though your your happiness is derived from how much men like you i'm glad that they do like you back so um i'm glad with that and and it's stuff like sally's character that makes the weird feminist um 
stuff that Sharon Stone says a little weirder when <laughs> Sally's one character motivation in the entire film is sex. Is to, yeah, <laughs> not even sex. She just wants to own these men. <laughs> she just <laughs> wants them. And she also wants to help Patience own her men as well. Exactly, yeah. Patience is like, I kind of want to focus on my work a little bit. And Sally's just like, yeah, but what about Tom? <laughs> what, but, but, like, but, but what if you got a bit of dick? <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, uh, we cut back to Sally's, not Sally, Patience is trying to sleep again. Um, and there's another late night party, but now Patience has got cat powers, so she's not having any of that shit. Um, so she storms down, and and very cat-like, I might add. She she knocks on the door um, for the for the party, and the the long-haired creepo guy uh, answers that we saw before. He was at the window, like, and then he's just suddenly at the door. Yeah. So he's and he answers and says. We're not turning our music down. We're, but if you want to come in, you're pretty attractive. Let's let's make something happen. And he's very creepy. I said it more drunk than creepy than he was because I think his character is mainly just like the perviest perv that has ever lived. <laughs> um, and he shuts the door on her because she's like, no, I don't want to do that. That'd be weird. Um, and he shuts the door, but that's not stopping Catwoman. Because we cut to inside the party and the door just falls off its hinges and Catwoman's done a little kung fu pose like she just kicked it off. Um, no, Nobody in this film cares for the proper mechanisms of a door. Exactly. They don't even just try... Yeah, just, just kick through it. No one cares. <laughs> Knock it off its hinges. She, it didn't swing open. It just fell down. <laughs> she, she kicks through it and then does this little crouch thing. Yeah. I mean, that's... Like a cat, isn't it? Cats are always kicking doors down. And then crouching. Exactly. Uh, so she then jumps on top of the bar and she grabs one of the classic things I see at every party that, I, uh, that, that I'm always going to is a beer spray nozzle that you can shoot beer out of. I think, I think that's sh- quite an American thing. I've never, so. never seen it in England, but it's like you normally <laughs> tap a keg with it and yeah. then spray into, a, into a glass. Booze. But apparently it's in this film, it's a super soaker. Yeah. Because, because it shoots it like five or eight feet. Shoots it across the room into um, this creepy guy's uh, industry level amplifiers. <laughs> Which he's got a like couple it. of. These <laughs> giant... He has in his studio apartment. <laughs> <laughs> he and... took the word studio literally. <laughs> <laughs> and it immediately breaks them. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, so that ends the party. And the creepy guy's like, what? Why why, why are you shooting my amps? And then she jumps on him. And it's like, now you understand the meaning of silence. And he's like, well, that's really weird. But I'm kind of turned on by that because she just jumped on my chest. And then she leaves. And then the... um, And we're like, wow, Catwoman's really cool now. She's really grown as a character. I I think we might have... Oh, no, we didn't. No, sorry, Karen. It's it's a little bit later. Um... And now that uh, Catwoman's got her spunk back, she's like, cool now. Sally would be happy. <laughs> um, now she's she's like going out for herself. Sisters are doing it for themselves. That's what this movie should be called. Um, she steals the man's motorcycle. Um, she cuts her own hair. Oh, that's what happened. I missed that bit. Uh, yeah, this is the uh, the transformation and her making her um, superhero costume. It's like one of those um, comic book 
cartoon kind of scenes where someone's going a little bit mad and they're just like <laughs> cutting my own hair yeah. <laughs> and then it cuts, cuts and she's like proper feathered scissors. and layers it <laughs> she just assaults her hair with two <laughs> pairs of scissors and um and then she wears this leather Outfit I imagine Sally this is yeah. This is what Sally's brought her to go. Oh, this will get the that, men because she's literally that, that dressing as a dominatrix. Ha- this was in one of the earlier scenes. Sally was like, "You never wear the leather outfit I get you." And <laughs> it's because it makes me look like a dominatrix, back. Sally. <laughs> yeah, that would be weird to wear in public, <laughs> and I'd live on my own. <laughs> um, so she gets that because she's like Catwoman. I'm a Catwoman now, so gotta wear a leather outfit. Um. And she's changed her hair up all fancy, and she steals the man's motorcycle. Um, and she drives downtown in one of the most awfully edited transition sequences I've seen in a long time. <laughs> Very uncomfortable to watch, because it's fast-forwarded and shaky cam at the same time. Um, and Catwoman goes along to the jewellery store, where she saw the necklace that she saw earlier... But in, a, in an incredible coincidence, it's already being burgled. So two <laughs> separate groups of people have uh, gone to burgle this uh, jewellery store at the same time. Catwoman's like, no problem, I'll just burgle it better and beat them up. Yeah, well, um, well the, what she doesn't realise is that the people burgling it currently have magical powers because it cuts to an inside <laughs> shot of them burgling the place. Yeah. And they're like smashing into these boxes. And it, like literally the first shot that it cuts to of them doing it, he lifts I think it's either a crowbar or a gun. He lifts it up and then just before he goes to like swing down to smash the glass, the glass smashes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he carries on the swing down. So they've got well, some kind really of magical power villain in the film. So maybe it is he is the supervillain. They're using some dealt with really unseeable sonic power. Yeah. Because every single one of their swings the glass breaks prior to them swing, <laughs> like going down on the swing. Yeah, they couldn't get a second take. They, they only had a hundred million dollars to spend on the film. She, they couldn't get a second take. She also enters the building wearing the mask. But there's, yeah. there's no she indication of... She steals the mask from the jewellery store. Oh, is that uh, where it's from? Yeah, it's because she puts it back at the end, but she also has it before we see, see her in the thing. So it's very odd. Um... It, do- it doesn't make sense as a film. I'm going to say that. The editor was not very good uh, throughout the movie. Um, and then she so purrs. She- oh, my God. Yeah. So she's up on a ledge in a weird, like, position. Like, oh, That's definitely not the most comfortable position for her to be in. And then she says, oh, you, you guys wanted to rob this place without me? That's a perfect idea. <laughs> And then all the writers pat themselves on the back and give themselves $50 million. And, and then what they do is they go, you know what would be great if we added to this? A meow. Uh, uh, and, they add no, a, and they add a meow. That makes sense because it's in the middle of the fight and cats always meow when they're fighting. So so um, Halle Berry punches and, and kicks, does some capoeira and beats, <laughs> Cat-poera. beats up there. <laughs> Become... well, mine's not being cut out <laughs> <laughs> becomes the most accomplished fighter you have ever seen like without any explanation because <laughs> she's a cat and then after no she like, bodied these three or four burglars yeah. which 
I presumed she was doing like for the good of the public because she's stopping a crime <laughs> happening. She then just goes, actually, no, they had a point, and then just robs the place herself. Look, she's not your daddy's superhero. She'll rob a rob a bank, even though she takes out robbers. I do like the I like the moment where she jumped on the guy's chest, feet first, and then surfs him down <laughs> the floor. Uh, that was a, a good moment. That's that's classic fights. That was one of the like few that. highlights from this movie. <laughs> Other than Halle Berry's hair, am I right? <laughs> I don't know about hairdressing. Anyway, so that happens. Uh, we've had a fight scene. We're like, thank God, finally, cats. Catwoman is fighting people now. And we cut back to um, Halle Berry in bed. And she's no, she's not in bed. Of... She's once again being a cat, and she's sleeping on the floor next to is her she? bed. Oh, because well. then she stretches. And then puts and her hand upon the bed, which is just covered in jewels. And she's like, oh my god, when did I do that? I mean, I was totally sober the whole time. There's no reason I would have forgotten it. <laughs> when did I, When could I possibly have done that between... Oh, it was when I've, I when I've just <laughs> When I've just woken up now <laughs> and like three hours ago when I was asleep. Like this, this, this whole her forgetting what she's done thing. It doesn't come up again in the film. It's like so it's, it's like what you hear with drunk people where they go, oh, I don't remember anything from last night when actually they're just in, a bit embarrassed about what they've done. And she's gone, oh, I've, I've burgled the place again. Whoopsie. I didn't remember no, it. I don't have any memory of groping you last night. I don't know, I don't know, what to, I don't know why you bring that up. Ugh. Anyway. I surfed you uh, down the stairs. I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> I was out of it. I was so cat fogged. <laughs> sorry, cat brain. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah. Classic. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, I actually missed the scene where uh, the detective that we've come to know and love, Tom Lone, he is investigating the the scene of the crime because, as we've mentioned, the only detective in the city, he has to be there. Um, and is there any evidence there? Oh no, <laughs> the evidence there is two... the bag that she's dropped off. Yeah, and also. There are two. Uh, the one of the one of the other detectives goes. Uh, witnesses says she moved around like a cat, and then um, the other police officers there go, oh, some some sort of cat broad, <laughs> um, which is fantastic writing. Uh, I loved it in every way, and uh, I'm glad that we have it in our lives. Um, and then we go to to patients in a room, realizing that she's a cat. And because she realises she's a cat, she goes on Yahoo and she searches the phrases cats, full stop, women. <laughs> and then the cat in history. <laughs> the one. If you search the cat if you search the cat in history and it came up about like cat women with whips <laughs> and 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 the goddess Bast, then I'd be very shocked. Um so she learns a little bit about midnight, and she's like, "This Yahoo search isn't really cutting it." I um should have I asked Jeeves back, back in two thousand and four. Exactly. I need to go back to Ophelia Powers, um. And so Ophelia's like, uh, "Look, Bast has given you a bunch of powers. I know this because I'm a professor of of cats." And here's my proof. Um, and then she like, three hundred style, kicks her off the <laughs> off the banisters. She has a balcony in her library at home, and for some reason there is, is a swinging door here's my thought. on her balcony. How many people in her lifetime <laughs> has she killed 
trying <laughs> trying to prove that they are a cat person because she has had that hinged banister <laughs> installed <laughs> deliberately for this installed very reason just so she can like th- there's so much build up to that that she must have to like walk them up to that point to then push yeah. them through the swinging banister she, she <laughs> that that bitch has got blood on her hands <laughs> yeah um, I mean, I don't, I, it's such a bizarre scene. It, I think it needs to happen in every superhero film of the time. There needs to be that that like mentor figure who's like, look, you've got powers now. You've got to deal with it. With great power comes great responsibility or something. Um, but it's just such an odd way of doing it where this really weird, creepy occult woman pushes her off a balcony who she'd previously like, explained that she'd lost tenure. <laughs> Wait, um, you've got to because do, she got... was a woman professor, which is another weird bit of feminist like um propaganda in the movie. <laughs> I'm not gonna say propaganda, but like it's a weird bit of the script where it's like very overt feminist stuff when Sally is also in the film, which negates all of it. <laughs> um so uh so yeah patience lands on the floor and on all fours like a cat so she's like whoa i am a cat i must be a cat because i let but she already accepted that she's a cat because she said it she did the purr thing and she said meow and she's she's eaten like eight cans of tuna in one sitting (laughs) (laughs) and she's been sleeping on shelves and she's been (laughs) jumping up walls and like owning people in (laughs) basketball so she's already accepted the cat personality (laughs) so i don't know why this scene has happened but basically, Ophelia Power's like, there's been loads of cat women in history, and now you're the cat woman now. Midnight chose you by burping into your mouth. <laughs> so now you're the cat woman. Um, uh, so that, that we've now patience is happy. She's like, yeah, now I can, now I can. Now, uh, I, now I feel new... okay about wearing my leather. Yeah, now I can get a new costume. It's got the the, the trousers have got holes in it, and um, it's like the other uh, sexualized one, but like more sexualized. <laughs> yeah it's like, could we've got this bdsm outfit but can we make it more sexual <laughs> and then the vfx artists because oh quite quite a lot of this next section is just like her walking over a rooftop <laughs> yeah. but for whatever reason they had to cgi quite a large proportion of her walking over a rooftop they couldn't just yeah. green screen it or something and there is specific parts. They must have had someone like dedicated to the job of making her boobs and her bum just jiggle a little bit in the CGI. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable. And, it's uh, so she uncomfortable. Runs on, she runs on all fours, which is a bit odd because even if you have cat powers, running on all fours with a human's body does not make sense. <laughs> um, she bounces around on all the rooftops and she's going after John claude Van Damme now. She's like, I'm getting revenge. I'm a cat now. I know I'm a cat. I've accepted it. This is cat pride. And I've got this whip. Exactly. I've got a whip now. Where'd I get it? Who knows? I've got a whip. So uh, she now tries to track down Jean-Claude Van Damme. She goes to a shipping dock and... um, Just knows where to go. Yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme is just sitting there. I don't know. He's standing there waiting for Sharon Stone to come up. Well, that's good because she does show up in a limo. And um, she's like, have you taken out the scientist? And he's like, yeah, I did it a little moment ago. And, um, And she drives off. And now, Jean-Claude Van Damme's like, wow, I just had to kill a guy, got to blow off some steam now, got to go to a nightclub uh, in, a, in a dry dock. It, there's like storage <laughs> containers, but then also a nightclub. Um, <laughs> this is Gotham for you. Well, it's not necessarily Gotham. They never say what the name of the city is. So, 
Uh, it's, I, I refuse to believe that this was in the uh, <laughs> same universe as the <laughs> Batman movies. Um, so nobody, so nobody in the club that that they're both in, because Catwoman then follows him into this club because mm-hmm. she's obviously gonna like do some shit to him. Mm-hmm. Follows him into this club. Nobody bats an eye about her just being in the club in or, full or leathers. Cats and I. <laughs> <laughs> nobody nobody bats an eye about her being in the club mm-hmm. in leathers with a whip and a mask and everyone else in but, there is normally dressed and no one goes what are you doing this is a very progressive city they uh, they accept all fetishes wherever she could turn up to work in that and it'd be fine except for george um so she goes up to the bar and orders um uh a very she orders a white russian without everything except milk because <laughs> she's a cat so she just has milk and then the barman's weirdly attracted to her i, I it's very odd yeah it kind um, of like gives her that look doesn't he he's just like oh i, I really like women who just order milk <laughs> um, oh yeah down that pint of milk oh yeah baby <laughs> so so now she's refreshed with milk she goes over to the dance floor and and she's like, I see Jean-Claude Van Damme and I really want to get revenge on him, but I'm going to do a sexy dance first. Um, so she's looking straight at him and he's looking back, sitting in his booth. And he's, and she's like, I'm going to do a dance with a whip. She cracks the whip and then she cracks it again. And the the film is just ratcheting it up, ratcheting it up tension, even though there's no tension whatsoever. And then... She, finally, she whips a pipe on the ceiling and then does a, like an Indiana Jones swing and kicks him in his chair and then throws him outside um because the door was right behind him apparently uh, and we've already established and... that they don't care how doors normally work exactly just any kind of like physical force to open a door open and door. <laughs> <laughs> to open a door in a way that it shouldn't normally be opened it's a city of handleless doors uh, and <laughs> they're in the alleyway now and they're having a fight uh, which you would assume Jean-Claude Van Damme would be good at, but unfortunately it isn't actually Jean-Claude Van Damme. So and then she puts her fingers in his mouth and grabs his tongue and then goes, yeah, you guessed it, cat got your tongue. Because she's a cat. Because it's Catwoman, ladies and gentlemen. We need the puns. We need the puns to happen or it's not a good movie. So they're having a f- they've had a fight and she's like, what, tell, what's up with Beoline? Eh? I've, I know about it. Who's the girl you killed? Ah, and she's grabbing his tongue, so he can't reply, which isn't very good. Because cats uh, got interrogation a tactics. Yep, exactly. Um, and he's like, uh, "I, I kill, I killed the scientist. Uh, you, you'll never find out." Ah, and so she's like, "Oh God, I gotta go to the lab." So we cut straight to the lab. She's in there for about five seconds, and some random guy turns the corner. Is like, "Oh my God, that's a cat woman!" And he sounds the alarm. And then she immediately escapes. No, she 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 goes she goes into the she goes into the uh, into the building and finds mm-hmm. the scientist dead. Oh yeah. So yes. she's just like yeah. standing at his corpse and standing there like, oh, I, I guess I'll just look at this. And then it's the cleaner <laughs> who just sees her. Yeah. It's shocking that the cleaner didn't find out sooner. To be honest. Yeah. He he. I maybe they kill a cleaner every day and they just hire <laughs> a new one. Um. So she gets away very easily. It's very there's very little tension in the scene, despite the alarm going off. 
And immediately after Patience visits Sally in the hospital, she does a little spin to show off her new haircut that she did herself. Makes a very weird face. And Sally's um, like, oh, this will get you the guys. Yeah. Uh, which which it does, it turns out. So Sally's right. Um, but she has only one thing on the brain for that, Sally. Um, but then Patience realises that Sally's been using Beoline all along. But that scars people, and this is why she's in the hospital. It hasn't scarred her. I feel like we've she's missed just quite a chunk. Once. What really? Have we? Are we missing something huge that I've missed out? Are we, uh, have you got to the Ferris wheel bit yet? No, that's later. Oh, is it? <sighs> yeah, I just missed this whole. Very soon after. Right. Okay. So we found out that Sally's being caused to be sick because of Beoline. But, but she's just fainted. She's not been scarred. It doesn't really make sense. She's been getting um, headaches as well. That's one of the one yeah. of the warning signs. So Halle Berry's character, sorry, so Patience then bins it into a toxic bin. Yeah, which get I thought was so good from the director. Like just put a exactly. little toxic stick on top of that. Brilliant. Um, and then we cut to the police station because we're ready for some real police work to be done. Um. And we see a bag that Catwoman left at the scene. It says sorry on it. And we're like, hmm, sorry. I see him. I know that's been written before in the movie. That was on the cup that Patience gave to Tom. Which is and that's on his desk right on now, his desk. Because he's kept it as a souvenir. And then he's like, whoa, that's a coincidence. They look so it's, similar. It's the same writing. But just to be sure... I'm going to go to our weird <laughs> our in-house expert. <laughs> our in-house handwriting expert who immediately who, goes it's not an exact science <laughs> and then goes into I mean, great what? detail about how the handwriting explains personality and <laughs> everything like that, just in vivid detail. What the weird thing is instead of doing what a normal like handwriting expert would do which is just compare the shapes of the the letters he is trying to infer the personality of the writer from how it's written, which doesn't make any sense. He says, if you look at the O, well, this person doesn't like to play by the rules. <laughs> he did say it's not an exact science, but I like <laughs> I like his science. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. That's what the first of a number of odd uh, forensic... <laughs> methods that they use in this movie so now we cut to the fun fair scene um and they're they're playing a sort of throw the ball at some metal bottles game and patience is just crushing um tom she's she's like she's oh. as good at this bottle game as she was at basketball exactly just like a cat cats are so good at throwing balls until he, it, until he says together. something that takes her off guard <laughs> and she just squarely hits the the Game the game owner in the side of the face, and he goes, "Hey!" And then she goes, "Sorry." And he's like, "All oh, right, oh. <laughs> problem it's solved." It's happening all the time. People just bean me with balls. <laughs> um, so they're on a Ferris wheel, which is a classic romantic thing to do: is to strand yourself at the top of a circle. It happens in a notebook, so it's go- it's got to be good here. Um, but it breaks down, and the film becomes Final Destination for a little bit. <laughs> And everything fails on this Ferris wheel. The cogs start to destroy themselves because they're very rusty. And um, and the only two and... people that are capable of fixing the entire problem are the two that are right at the very top of the Ferris wheel. The first one just 
hops out. So the little safety bar clearly wasn't doing anything. Hops yeah. out and just Spider-Man's his way down to the bottom and starts <laughs> fixing that. Meanwhile, he's a hero. Meanwhile, he's Patience notices this like lone kid who's crying to his mum. So his mum presumably put him on the Ferris wheel <laughs> on his own and just gone. I'm not, I'm not riding with you. This is like this is time alone for me. This is scary. It's scary. What, what was on that? It's gonna break. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> I, I told you. I told you. <laughs> So Halle Berry uh, yes, has more of a mother instinct than the mother. <laughs> then goes and saves the kid from what is probably like a ten foot drop, <laughs> which is Very which scary, is less though. than less than she risked to save a cat that she'd never met. Yeah. Well, um, so both of them. Are sub- I think Detective Tom Lone probably puts himself on the line a little too much in this situation because he probably could have died uh, <laughs> climbing down the thing and probably should have just waited for like the engineer to stop it i assume someone should have been waiting by the thing to stop <laughs> it in this case but, yeah uh, the, the person that is trying to to stop it you'd imagine is probably trained to know what to do and the police yeah. officer is an expert apparently in all of these <laughs> other things as well as his day job and being a lunchtime <laughs> supervisor and being like a teacher. Yeah. He's also an engineer. That's how he knows to jam a spanner into the cogs to stop it from moving. Um, so, that's that scene. We're like, wow, Catwoman's a real hero. Um, but but also, Tom Lone is like, how, how did Patience crawl along the Ferris wheel and save that kid? That's a little weird. But he's still not convinced, even though he saw her clamber like a cat over the rods of a ferris wheel to save a child that's not convincing him uh so he's just like yeah whatever <laughs> so that night catwoman breaks into uh sharon, sharon stone's, stone's mansion <laughs> um uh, and immediately and... takes a golf club to the face no there's a couple shots before where catwoman is just like chilling in her house like she's just <laughs> spinning around in her desk chair and just looking around She's just making herself at home. Uh, and then Sharon Stone just smacks her with a golf club down some stairs. As, as Sharon Stone probably would have said in the film, she went full Phil Mickelson on his ass. On her <laughs> yeah. ass. That's what she was saying to George later on. <laughs> I had to go Phil Mickelson on her. Um, so now there's a little fight scene. Sharon Stone is uh, saying... Um, little is probably the most accurate descriptive word for this as well because it's like <laughs> 10 seconds long and then Sharon Stone's like okay we won't fight anymore we'll just talk yeah because cause Catwoman's like I know Beolene's kill it's, it's scarring people and she's like Sharon Stone's like I can play this off I can be like I don't know anything about that George is who you want um, so uh, Sharon Stone throws her phone at Catwoman and Catwoman puts the phone into her crotch um <laughs> And Sharon Stone's like, go to the theatre. He's at the theatre watching a play. Go there and you can, I don't know, like, interrogate him or something. Um, so, we cut to the theatre and George is in a box with... Um, with this underage woman. Younger woman. Yeah. Um, and he seems very bored. And, and I don't blame him well, because... He the, seems the, very the bored. Th- and then the, the girl raises a point that it's very boring and he seems to kind of like pyre off as if well, she's saying says, the wrong thing. 
he says, look, our relationship is on the principle that you don't think. That, that He says, don't think <laughs> ever. <laughs> uh, and she's like, oh, enough of this. I'm done. And leaves. Um, and then Catwoman is in the rafters and he, she sort of jumps down and gets, sits next to George. Without him noticing. He, no, even though he noticed that... Um, uh, that his companion left. She's like, I can't remember what she says, um, but she says something, and he's like, "Who are you? You're not who 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 just left." Um, and he's like, she says, uh, "Why why why is Lean hurting people? That shouldn't happen." And he's like, "I have literally no idea what you're talking about. I I just shout at people." <laughs> I'm just I'm just an this angry man. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't make the products, mate. I'm, I'm just shouting at people. Um, it was at this point the... I think that I realised that he was supposed to be English. Yeah. It was in this scene where I was like, "Ah, oh, he's he's doing that <laughs> evil thing of having an English accent." <laughs> uh, and the police bust into the auditorium. And Catwoman's like, oh no, I've got to leave. So she jumps onto the stage and... <laughs> right into um, where everyone can see her. Yeah, and then she dr- jumps up the backdrop and into the rafters again. And the people on trapezes on the stage doing... I don't know what sort of like some Cirque du Soleil shit. <laughs> so they keep doing that. They don't get put off by Catwoman jumping on the stage. Um, and then once Catwoman leaves, everyone in the audience claps as if it's part of the performance they're just like, oh, that's brilliant. That's just brilliant. Um, this is what we paid to see. Exactly. Uh, and then and there's then, like a major fight scene. Which well, because, could also be described as like a sex scene. Yeah, it's correct. I put here, Detective Lone finds her in the rafters and Catwoman makes the whole situation uncomfortably horny. <laughs> uh, because it's an odd way to fight. Because... I don't understand this part of the the movie because he busts in and she's just like so immediately turned on by him and it it really is half fight scene half sex scene because um well a she licks his face um, not even not even subtly but this no. this leads on to another part where she somehow yeah. leads like a lipstick print halfway across his cheek from with her tongue from, from, from licking up his face yeah um so that happens she's trying to get he's trying to get her into some handcuffs because he's not going to shoot her which he does successfully but then and she then she just, just like takes them thumb. off <laughs> yeah because <laughs> cats don't have thumbs so <laughs> so she can just get out um so that's all happening they're fighting in between the lights and there's just lights swinging at head height uh, during this performance, if if someone was up there during a performance, they would probably get killed by these swinging lights, and um, that all happens. Tom Lone almost dies because he almost falls off the rafters, but Catwoman saves him and gets him back up, and then she jumps away, and then she's got like a big, uh, she's got a wire, and then she it's another like one of the everywhere. another one of the infamous uh, infamous lines in this movie, where she asks. If people can see in the dark before putting the lights out, I can see in the dark. I'm a I'm a cat. How about you? <laughs> and then she she puts the uh, the sparking wire to the electrical outlet, and all the lights turn off, and she escapes because she's a cat. And she can see in the dark. Exactly. 
Uh, and then uh, we cut to one of my favourite scenes in the film. <laughs> where I burp really loud. And um, Sharon Stone and George are having an angry conversation about how Catwoman knows about Beulene. Um, and then Sharon Stone's like, how about you stop sleeping with girls who were born when when phones were invented, you idiot. And he's like, I want to have you talking to me like that. I can't believe it. And then he tries to slap her, but his hand stops dead in its tracks when it hits her face. And she's like, Beulene works wonders. So that, I was very confused by this. I had no idea what what was going on because (laughs) from from what it looked like, she had some weird kind of force field around her. (laughs) Yeah, because it doesn't look like he like hit her and got her. Not even close. it looks like he stopped her from hitting him, <laughs> from hitting her with her mind. Um, his face when it happens is one of horror. Wild, wild shock. He's just like, yeah. what have I created? So that happens. Um, so we've learned that that Sharon Stone has like a magical face or something. It's very unclear at this point. Um, and this is another date that we get to see with uh, Patience and Tom Lone, um, where Patience gets to eat a bunch of sushi because she's a cat and cats like fish. Yeah, she she like sucks it down. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah, because it's it's not they literally not a fun scene to watch. They immediately well then, so they just put down the food, <laughs> and then without even thinking, she just like it's like Nunu out of the Teletubbies. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's got no table manners. She's eating tuna from the tin, but she's a cat, and she's just it sucking down salmon. Oh, it's it's clever. No she's wonder she's cat. single if she's eating like this. <laughs> um, so they have a little date. She, Tom Lone's like, <laughs> he's, she kisses. He's like, I love the way that you suck <laughs> suck down fish. Let's go back to your place. <laughs> it starts to rain and because cats hate the rain they get under the a little awning and then we cut back to uh and also in that scene uh tom he says uh i i assume you've been working on your dunk shot he called it a dunk <laughs> shot which i loved um uh, and after that they get back to their to patience's apartment for some sexy times they have a little bit of sex and then in the middle of the night, Tom gets up to get some Dasani bottled water from Patience's fridge. I have got a list of all had... the product placement in this film. <laughs> that is good to know. Because Patience just has Dasani bottled water in her fridge, as opposed to just... Stacks of it. It's, it's like he walked into a convenience store and opened the fridge and it's <laughs> yeah. just like perfectly stacked. She also does have a mirror, a window on her fridge, <laughs> like people do. Just has a, a, a fridge with a, mi- a a window. Why am I saying mirror? Anyway, um, but just sitting on the rug, Tom finds a Catwoman claw. That's weird. But this is Patience's apartment, not Catwoman's apartment. Um, but he's never seen them in the same room together. <gasps> exa- oh, God. So he grabs the evidence, puts it in his pocket... And uh, he, he he grabs the evidence, which is a cup that she's drunk from, which has got like her lip mark on it. Yeah, yeah. And and a normal person would think maybe he's going to get the DNA from from <laughs> oh no. The glass. Um, but before that happens, Patience wakes up to find that Tom's gone, 
we find out later he's gone to get invest he's going to investigate all this evidence and she gets a call on her Nokia phone and it's <laughs> a, 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 a video call uh, of Sharon Stone saying we need to talk get here as soon as possible um and and then back at the forensics lab Tom's testing the um the the glass the lip mark on the glass but for some reason instead of testing the DNA it tests the shape of the, the lip mark it, on the glass. It's essentially a fingerprint scanner, but for lips. Yeah. <laughs> and it matches and them up. That. And then the thing that I found the best was it comes up with match probability of 99.9%. <laughs> I really want to and know went... what the doubt is in that system. So they've got the evidence. Tom's got all the evidence he needs. He's found out that their mouths are the same. So now he knows... And Unequivocally, with 99.9% yeah. probability. We're back at Hedare Mansion, and Sharon Stone has killed George and clawed him all up to make it look like Catwoman did Oh, it. sneaky, sneaky. And she, she's like, have this gun, and throws it at Catwoman, and Catwoman catches it. and then At this point, I'm uh, thinking, she's wearing gloves. So there's, there's yeah. no DNA or fingerprint <laughs> evidence on there whatsoever. Even if that were how the police worked in the city, <laughs> that's not how. That's not how. That, that there wouldn't be any evidence left. I'd also like to point um, out that they apparently live next door to the police station, <laughs> because she then raises the alarm, and the entire <laughs> squadron, the <laughs> an entire squadron of police. Honestly, it's like fifteen cars just turn up from out of nowhere and surround the house, including. Detective Tom because he's at every crime that happens. He works mornings uh, and nights and afternoons. He never <laughs> sleeps. Well, the city never sleeps, as neither does Tom. Neither does crime. So all the police have shown up. Catwoman escapes and changes into a tracksuit. Um, and then there's some sirens going on, and Halle Berry uh, reacts to them very erratically. She's like, oh, God, oh, Jesus, oh, sirens, oh, God. Um, and then she sees on the news... That the that the public thinks that she killed George and she gets back home, but oh god, Tom's in her apartment with a gun, and then Pro- he's probably like, just broke down the door like he did last time. <laughs> yeah, she does not lock her door ever, <laughs> um, and he's like, "We've got to take you in. I'm not going to shoot you. I'm holding the gun, and you could probably take it out of my hand anyway, but." Uh, but please come with me. I'm scared of you, but please. <laughs> please just come in. It's over. Uh, or something. Um, so sh- um, now they start to interrogate her. And she's like, I don't know anything. I'm crying now. Why don't you just believe me? Um, and he says, because of all the evidence that I gathered, all of the weird specialists that I consulted uh, to work out that it was you. Um and then they lock her in a holding cell for to to to, to get her in jail because she's Catwoman and she uh, killed a man. Um, but what happens next was what I thought was going to happen earlier in the film when she started acting like a cat was that Midnight shows up and squeezes through the uh, the bars of the cell window. I, I don't know if this is an American thing or if this is actually ever how prisons have been in the last decade or like uh-huh. 20 years 30 years i've never seen a prison cell with barred doors really yeah 
They've, they've all just got, like, slab doors. Maybe it's just a movie thing. Presumably, to stop people just, like, slipping through. But when she's, lo- when she's <laughs> locked up as well, they close the, they close the, uh, the door on her and then go, mm-hmm. you be a nice kitty now, and she just hisses at them. Yeah, yeah, that was an uncomfortable thing to see. <laughs> I'm not happy that that made it into the final cut. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm um, not happy that the final cut made it into the final cut. <laughs> um, so yeah, she sees Midnight squeeze through the cracks in the uh, the bars, and she thinks, wait, I'm like a cat, <laughs> so I should be able to squeeze through the bars of the cell. So Thankfully, the bars of in... the cell are remarkably wide apart, and also quite bendy. <laughs> yeah, and this is a scene that is portrayed with great gravitas, and it much like the scene where she turns into a cat, the the music is swelling, and they're like, "Oh my god, is she going to be able to do it?" And she just slowly squeezes through the bars, and then um, somehow teleports around a wall to uh, to to escape the the, and, and and then jumps out a window, and then she's escaped the police station without having been seen. And then she falls down in front of a car, which gives her a little boop on the bum, and then she gets sexually attracted to the Jaguar. Uh, head piece on the car. I don't know about he- I don't know about cars. Is it called a headpiece? I don't know. Uh, it's hood a little ornament. Jaguar. It, and then she's she caresses it a little bit and gets a little horny. <laughs> and then um, she grand theft autos the guy's car and drives off. So uh, now she's driven off. We need to uh, cut to Sharon Stone giving a press conference at the evil headquarters. To say that she's launching Bialine tomorrow. No, she, this this is apparently either the same night or a day after her husband <laughs> has just been killed, and it she's like, night. "It's fine. I'm all, I'm all right with this. Like, it's just happened, but I'm going to carry on his legacy." She actually says that George was. She always wanted George always wanted what was best for someone, so we've got to release Bialine now, um, and then Tom Lone shows up again because he's everywhere. And he's like, uh, I've just got to have a couple questions about how um, your husband died when you were there. That's a little fishy. So uh, we're going to have a, a couple questions. And then we cut to Catwoman. She's got a little winch and a little hook. And she's gone to all the truckloads of Beoline. And then she rips all the axles off of the uh, off of the trucks in her in a truck of her own that she managed to get. And she's like, that'll stop all the Beoline from getting shipped out. And then we cut back to Detective Lone uh, questioning Sharon Stone, um, saying, this doesn't really add up. I looked into it, and Catwoman wasn't even there. I trust Catwoman because I had sex with Catwoman. (laughs) She gave me her word. She said nice (laughs) things to me and let me put my willy in her. So I I don't think it adds up. And then Sharon Stone pulls out a gun and shoots Tom Lone in the chest. And he's like, you wouldn't kill a cop. And she's like, uh, 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 Bang. I could have you killed. <laughs> I could have you killed, though. Maybe Catwoman killed it. And then, and then Catwoman jumps in and then gets Tom Lone out of there. And now they're on the run from uh, the two goons once At more. this point is one of the worst lines in the entire film as well. What is it? Where he's just been shot in the shoulder... And then he turns to Catwoman and goes, 
Well, there goes my jump shot. Oh my god! Because the own because that they, they've known each other for about three days, and the only interaction they've had is on a basketball court. <laughs> is is in a, on a basketball court or having sex? <laughs> yeah. She went Shaquille on his butt. He did a dunk shot, and now he's been shot. <laughs> so he can't play basketball anymore. Um, his career's over. His career is an uh, amateur so, player. <laughs> so she sets him down because he's having trouble moving like an idiot. And uh, Jet Li and Jean-Claude Van Damme are looking around for Tom Lone. But now we've got a final battle going on between Catwoman and Sharon Stone. And, and it is at this point some... where I got angry that after all of these terrible, terrible puns, yeah, they missed out the opportunity to call it a cat fight. <laughs> if Tom Lone was just in the sidelines going, eh, cat fight! <laughs> and it made me so <laughs> unbelievably amazing. angry that after all of the crap that they did, they didn't include that. Um, so, uh, at the start of the fight, Sharon Stone just gets absolutely rocked by Catwoman. And, like, all of the hits she makes is, like, pushing her into a wall and she just, like, smacks against the wall, like, oh, God! <laughs> she, like, she'll, like, push a door into her face and just smacks her. <laughs> it's never her kicking her. It's pushing her into something else. <laughs> it's very It's, fun. like, there's loads of uh, paintings about. Loads of artwork. Yeah. Because well, apparently the cosmetic company just makes paintings and stuff it's like an art company as part of a painting as many as, as many revenue streams company. as they can afford exactly this is the biggest company in the world so unfortunately because of all the bioline um sharon stone's face is like granite so she can't actually feel pain um, and, she, and she doesn't so... get she doesn't get cut she's practically invincible to any physical damage exactly which which is a problem for Catwoman in this fight. Um, so Catwoman, uh, it starts getting messed up a little bit. She pushes her into a glass... Uh, pushes, like... pushes Catwoman into a glass thing, doesn't she? Uh, no, no. Uh, sh- sh- Catwoman pushes Sharon Stone into a glass pane, which like rains down on top of her, and then Sharon Stone like reverses it, grabs a little shard of glass and stabs her she in the does, leg. She does, yeah. And then Catwoman lets out the most comical truth I've ever heard. Um, and that sort of turns the tide of battle for Sharon Stone. Uh, for now. And she picks, up a big, she picks up a big pole and starts smacking Catwoman with it. Just, oh, get, get off. And then Catwoman's on a big window. And, um, it's one of those, one of those it, air walk things that you can do in those fancy, uh, fancy yeah. tall buildings where you can... Like see over the edge of the building and see just how high up you are. And Catwoman's like grabbing on, trying not to fall off. And then Sharon Stone smashes the window, so Catwoman's almost falling and dying. But um, and then Sharon Stone says it's game over. And then Catwoman, in another basketball reference, she says it's overtime. <laughs> and then does a flip over her, and then. Uh, and then sort of turns the tide of battle back in her favour, scratches her on the face when, to reveal her scars. Yeah, when she scratches her on the face, I thought she was immune to any kind of physical damage. So then she scratches her... It doesn't her make much sense. <laughs> ...and gives Only, her damage. Maybe Catwoman has, like, very specific metal claws. It's like adamantium. <laughs> and that, that 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 is the only thing that breaks through Bioline. Um, and she, she sees so, her reflection, doesn't she? <laughs> so, and she's like, I'm here... Uh, but, yeah, because uh, 
because Sharon Stone's now like grabbing onto the the pole that um that Catwoman was almost falling off, and then in the reflection of the window, she's like, "Oh God, I'm ugly now." And then I think part of that is why she lets go <laughs> while Cat Catwoman's like trying to save her, but Sharon Stone looks at her reflection, she sees that she's all scarred, and then it's just like, I, ah, "What no. what have I done? <laughs> I can see what I've become." <laughs> I think she's just like, I can't be bothered going on living if I'm not hot. <laughs> so she falls and uh, does about five somersaults, and, and then which is hilarious. She, it looks like a ragdoll falling through the sky. It's so funny. But then it's when she goes through, it, it, it cuts to her falling, and she's doing all yeah. of these flips. And then it cuts to a different shot of her falling, and she's just not rotating at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then she crashes into the lobby of the company's headquarters, and then she's she, dead. she dies on impact, but takes no other physical yeah. damage. There's no blood. Her, of her, bo- her body is untouched apart from the death. <laughs> I think she gave up because she saw that she was ugly. She actually didn't feel any physical pain. She just stopped living. <laughs> Decided to end it. Um, so. Tom then shows up. He sort of he's he was like, yeah, I've been shot, but I'm I'm the super cop, so who cares? Uh, and it's like, you just killed someone, but uh, I'll let it slide. <laughs> I don't. I may be a police officer, but I don't really care. It's been a long week. I've been at every single crime. <laughs> um, they've only, they they've got like three people who are on on shifts at this. <laughs> they do a week shift on, and then two weeks off. It's, it's the only efficient way to point <laughs> They work um, 24 hours a day when they're on shift. <laughs> so, uh, all the evil has been resolved. George is dead, so that's all good. And so is Sharon Stone. She died from... Fall. And then the real the um, real culmination to the movie, which everyone was hoping would happen, it just yeah. cuts to Sally. And yeah. Sally's just and, with the Doctor. Yeah, and he's he's doting to her. And she's he's taking care of her every need, and she reads in the paper about Catwoman, and she's like, "Wow, that that's interesting." Uh, it's not really any closure. She doesn't realise that Patience is Catwoman, although the sequel that never got made might go <laughs> into that. Um, and then we see that uh, Ophelia Powers gets a little note from uh, Patience, and also Tom gets a letter from Patience saying uh, I'm going to go f- fight some crime now so I'm going to go like rob some banks so we can't be together anymore we be together. <laughs> and he's at a cafe been stood up by her and he's just like oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just I just let someone get away with murder for nothing I, I, I thought this was meant to be <laughs> and it, unfair. it ends on this shot where Halle Berry is narrating over the top of it again and it's Catwoman walking along in this hypersexualized suit in front of the yeah. moon, which is not the moon that circles the Earth because it is like four times the size and so bright. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then it ends. She does a couple whips, and then we get to see the credits and thank Pete off again for creating such a beautiful movie. <laughs> now, would I say this film is a misstep? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if it was a good idea to start. With. I'm not sure misstep fully encapsulates how bad this film is. 
I feel like they made the wrong decision at every possible juncture. <laughs> and but I must say it was enjoyable to watch. It was much less boring than a lot of terrible. It, it feels films like the script might have been crowdsourced. Just <laughs> it might it was, have been. It's so terrible. They they've gone. What are all the cliches and all the terrible puns we can do, and just put them <laughs> in at inappropriate points. <laughs> right. So yeah. I alluded to it earlier. Mm-hmm. Of. I've got a list of what we know happens to a lady when she becomes a Catwoman. Yeah. Which I think is important information because we get that kind of information in Spider-Man. Like, we know that he can shoot webs and we know that he's got grippy yeah. hands and all this kind of stuff. Very well-established character. Yeah, uh, so I, I felt cows. like we needed more of an, a, a kind of, like, exact list of her skills. Mm-hmm. So what do we know happens when a lady becomes a Catwoman? She can jump real fucking high. <laughs> She's nimble and balanced. She chows down on tuna. She can flip and stuff. Lands on her feet every time. Martial arts master. She can smell rain before it rains. She hates the rain. She wants to put catnip inside herself. She's a confident motherfucker. She can suck down sushi without even chewing. She has a personality disorder when she goes from shy, reclusive introvert to nymphomaniac (laughs) extrovert in a couple of seconds. Uh, And she is a bench player for the Harlem Globetrotters. (laughs) Bench player. Not quite in the starting five. (laughs) I've I've also got a list of the crimes she committed because this really bothered me. Like, the whole romantic affair that she had was with someone whose mm-hmm. sole responsibility is to uphold the law and make sure that criminals get their just desserts. But he's the worst detective that has ever lived. I, we've already est- he, he cannot put two and We've two already together. established how overworked he is. <laughs> it's fair. But in this film, as far as I can tell, and I'm sure there's more, but she commits a jewellery heist, mm-hmm. ABH, GBH, Grand Theft Auto, Grand Theft Lorry, which I'm not sure is a thing, <laughs> and also criminal damage to property on multiple occasions. And murder. <laughs> and, sorry, yeah, and she murder. Killed, as much as she attempts to save Sharon Stone, she definitely put her in that position <laughs> to die. But afterwards, she's like, you know what, I tried to save her. We'll just say I didn't kill her. It was. Um, I found it, one, like you said, it was fun to watch. I, I found it very hard to watch. Yeah. I found it a difficult film just based on the acting skills, the script, and the visuals. So pretty much everything from start to finish was... Every possible aspect of the film was just it made it really bizarrely it done. Difficult to like, consume. It was poorly executed. It was just like every choice was terrible. Yeah, like I felt like it was captured in the image that the director was intending. But yeah. the director's image just wasn't what a normal human would enjoy consuming. Oh my god. Anyway, so the important part of back to the show's concept. We need to rate rank this and unfortunately because it is the first film that we've uh, watched of the DC canon, this film has to be number 1 <laughs> for, for for until another film comes along. Uh, so uh, there's not much to say about the ranking this this episode, but uh, uh, just that but... it will very very quickly <laughs> lose its lose its spot at the top. 
Yeah, unfortunately, it has to be number one at this point. <laughs> Uh, and I, I have a feeling that some of the films that are coming will actually um, be worse. I don't think it's going to be the worst one, but I think it's going to be low towards the end. Oh, it's just it's dreadful. And the fact that it yeah. is taking top spot at any point in this podcast <laughs> makes me a little bit sick to my stomach. Disgusting. All right, I'm going to cut there. But... I'm going to get up my extra, my other uh, films. Get up a randomizer. I've got a randomizer here if you want. Oh, sick. How many films are there? Give me one second. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13. I'm going to say 13 because I'm only doing the first ones of any series. Cool. Right. Are we going to explain that we are now... Wait. This doesn't include all of them. Why? There are some that aren't here. But only ones that are part of a series. Okay. Yeah. We'll explain. Uh, so I have generated a random number which is 11. Okay. So picking next episodes film uh, out of the DC films we are doing only the ones that are at the start of series as if they are so we're not just going to jump into Dark Knight or Dark Knight Rises for instance we'd have to go Batman Begins then Dark Knight then Dark Knight Rises. Yeah it's going to be a bit kind of like all over the place with what films we watch because we are picking them randomly out of a hat but within yeah. those aspects we don't want to like watch the third installment in a series before the other two and I'm counting the current DCEU as one series because if we just went in on like Justice League, that'd be really confusing. Yeah. So, uh, so you generated number eleven, you yes, say? Yes, number eleven. I shall go down on this list. One, two, four, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Oh, you won't believe it. Oh, please don't tell it me it's some offshoot of Catwoman. No, it's, it is Watchmen. Watchmen, okay. Watchmen. A film I have never yeah, seen. Yeah, a film I've also never seen. On one summer's day, sun was so that's it. That's the that's the first episode. Didn't really like Catwoman. It's not a very good movie, I'll be honest. Um, but hopefully it'll get better. Hopefully it doesn't get worse. I have a bad feeling that... Um, some some films in the DC canon might be worse than Catwoman. Maybe a certain film that rhymes with Muicide mod, but you know, we'll get to it eventually, and it'll be painful. So hopefully we'll improve in the future. Hopefully it'll be like a quarter of the length, <laughs> but it is enjoyable enough. Let's be honest. <laughs>